furniture. What do you guys want for, uh, what do you guys like? Uh, key mod. <laughs> I, I had a straight face. You guys can't see it. I had a straight face. No, I'm, I'm, I'm dedicated to the empire. As Jared would say, mm-hmm. uh, I, I am a, uh, M-Lock guy. Um, it's a little frustrating to get the little screws to line up, but once they do, I'm done with it and I don't have to worry about things sliding off. Um, so what I look for is as much rail system as I can get. Uh, you know, if I'm running a 16 inch, uh, barrel, I've got a 15, if I can get a 15 and a half, I'm getting that 15 and a half, um, rail. There are some interesting companies out there that make rails because, you know, any, anyone can. Um, there are some great companies that are not extremely expensive. Uh, on my little AR pistol, I've got a, a Stinger um, rail system. And it's been very, very reliable. I That rifle was put together, or the pistol was put together kind of as a joke. Like, how cheap can I do this? And um, it has really, really impressed me. My utility gun, I spend a little bit more. It's not a toy. It's I need to depend on it. Um, and one of the things that I looked at, like you said, uh, Flynn, was I went with uh, uh, Ultralight Odin Works because I saved ounces, and ounces make pounds, and I'm going to put other heavy stuff on that gun. So where I can save money and still have strength, I'm going to do it. I say as little as possible. So I don't. I'm a, a minimal kind of guy. I've got a grip stop on mine. I prefer to run it clean, but shooting on a range a lot, it, it gets hot. Plus, the grip stop is nice for, for barrier work. Um, I run an optic and a flashlight. And before I say this, I know it's going to drop a bomb and cause a lot of uh, commotion, but I don't even run backup sights right now dun, dun, dun. right so sergeant major sams is seriously disappointing you is. right now because you know if it has batteries it will fail on you in combat it will i just don't have them on. i don't have backup iron sights on mine no. it, you know we'll, we'll get to that in yeah. a second let's <laughs> yeah, talk we'll let's talk yeah. furniture <laughs> yeah so uh yeah with furniture um i'm sure you guys will start with the little seven inch rails right on well probably don't have rails but like your, your first mark 18s your m4s had just the standard yes the, the quad rail yeah, the yeah. quad rail yeah. cheese grater yes. cheese grater yeah. so like that's what when we got our first ars they were the same thing they were they were colt mark 18 mod zeros they had the, the front sight bases okay Those were flip up and flip down yeah and, but they were the monolithic receiver so it was the receiver and the rail were all one piece so you're stuck with that that rail and that was fine until you start realizing hey the more of me i can get on the gun mm-hmm. the more control i have so those seven inch rails became very limiting especially when you look at adding lights and lasers that you know to use night vision so they don't make them anymore but but you can still find them occasionally on ebay i've seen them or for wish like, i don't know what that is uh for like <laughs> four, 450 bucks um but the old school lanco um grip stops yeah that uh were for pinkatinny rails one of the nice things about them and i saw a lot of guys do is you could mount it at the very back end of the grip stop so it'd give you a couple of extra yeah. inches to reach yeah. out there for those those small uh, quad rails yeah but uh so yeah so i like much like chris i like any every bit that i i can get and actually one of the things that drove us to switch from 10 threes to 11 fives besides the ballistics were that instead of having a nine and a half inch rail we could have a 10 inch or a mm-hmm. 10 and a half inch rail which is just again using tape switches and uh <laughs> lights and lasers yes. you get a bit more 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 rail estate 
on that thing. But R- real estate. Well, so interesting enough, if anyone's listening, they're a gun nerd. They've heard of the the Knights Armament uh, MRE rails, which they made for for um, Army Special Missions Unit. Mm-hmm. And I I was told that MRE stands for more real estate because that's what <laughs> some guy said he wanted. I want more real estate. So they made it. That's what they call it, MREs. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I think the longest you can get. The other thing is that I again, there's nothing wrong with a full length Picatinny. They're just heavy. But the benefit to that beefiness is uh, you're not going to get so much uh, flex as you can get. I think, again, as much as I like my stuff to be very lightweight and, and slick, I think there is a danger in chasing the ultra lightweight at any cost because I've seen some rails that really are just barely held onto the gun, and they're just such a small internal diameter that barrel doesn't really have anywhere to go, and it's going to heat up very quickly. So I think it's going to be sturdy and beefy. Don't. There's no point to have a whole bunch of extra weight on, but let's mm-hmm. not, you know. Well, I like um, Midwest Industries as well yeah. as uh, Ariel. They make good rails that, you know, very solidly mounted on there. But then they're, yeah. one thing I look for anymore is it has to be free-floating. Yes. I, oh, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I have to day, have that. I, I, I didn't know that was a question. With, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, mm. It's funny how we Come on. You, you've been to classes. There's, there's people yeah. still. Yeah. But but it's funny because watching the gun stuff it's developed, especially with that, that explosion post-AWB uh, ending. It was like no, 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 free float rails. You can't have that on a, you know, like a combat gun. You've got to have like a fixed, fixed uh, the handguard drop in, and now it's ever just assumes free float rail. Yeah. And that's yeah. No, I think you have to go free float in this day and age. Um, and, well, go ahead. Finish I said, so one thing though is sometimes I question the usefulness of rails, and not that I'm saying they're bad, but like again, coming from a big organizational perspective, when they were setting up our patrol rifle program. There was a lot of talk about, hey, do we get rails? What do we get rails? And I said, yeah, you know, you should, you should get rails. Get something decent, like the knights dropping. Uh, they ignored that and they got handguards, but they did listen and they got the knights, not the knights, the magpole, yeah. the magpole MOE handguards. And so mm-hmm. because of that, they were still able to mount what a patrolman in the United States needs, which is a white light and a, and a vert grip of a guy who wants that. He doesn't. Need, he's not mounting a Pec 15. He doesn't not a 203 or anything like that. Yeah. So. You can yet. still make a, a just a plastic handguard. Yet, 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 yet. Uh, you can still make a plastic handguard work. But for us, uh, I really like. Um, I'll, I'll admit, I like I like Geisley rails quite a bit. I yeah. think they're very light and very very sturdy, and made right here in uh, Pennsylvania. Yes, they are. Nice. And the thing with I think the common thing between those three, yeah, the two that I mentioned, the one you mentioned, is they've got that top yep. Picatinny rail, yes. and then everything else is is M lock cut to it. And, and you know what? I, I don't know if that's a term, but like slickatinny. Like I really like that whole idea where everything's slick. Mm-hmm. You still have your top rail, but so it's because that's when you put most stuff. Most mm-hmm. people aren't going to be using the rails, and I think guys that make some where it's just like the very ends, the nubs are just Picatinny. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like on the rifle right here. Yeah, everyone's showing little, their, their weapons. Yeah, yeah, just a very little bit of Picatinny because you're going to stick a light there or a bipod or whatever else. Yeah, Arrow makes them. Yeah. Which which is nice because most of the items that you're going to put on your gun have the the M-lock yeah. mounting system. Yeah. And there you go. Gives you some flexibility and some capability. What about... Uh, well, go, another must-have on that rail, non-indexing. Meaning, when you put it on there, you don't have to mess with spacers when yeah. you're putting that barrel nut on, so that it has proper alignment. Yeah. with the top yeah. rail, right? Yeah. You so see that with some of the rail. Yeah, you see that with some of the cheaper systems yeah. that you have to add those shims in to try and get it. And that's one of those when you're looking at it. If, yeah. if a system is cheap, that's, that's most why. likely why. That's what kind of turned me on to the, the Geisley rails was when I watched somebody put them together. I was down at. 
uh, a federal facility where they were assembling their rifles and these guys, the rails for thing. It was, I was struck by how easily the guys was going on how there was it was torque the barrel nut, slide the rail on, yep, tight push. Yeah, yeah. yep. there you go, and then it's 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 done. There's none of the crazy craziness that you have to do on all the, <laughs> I, yeah i still have a handguard that is not properly aligned with my top rail and the receiver and it bugs you every time you take that gun out doesn't it it bugs me just now thinking about it okay good it's as it should. Yeah. It yeah. should we're all disappointed yeah. in you you yeah. should be i'm gonna go do push-ups <laughs> <laughs> all right what about uh your pistol grip and buttstock so i like something slick one of the things that i hate i hate finger grooves I, I don't want the finger grooves to tell my fingers where to go. I want them just to go where they go. So I don't like the A2 or anything with the. Although I had an A2 for many years because we weren't allowed to mod our guns. Yeah. But I well, like the. Um, well, I know uh, quite a few guys that, for whatever reason, in group, yeah. uh, on some of the teams I was on, uh, for whatever reason, they didn't want to put on their own or, or buy their own. So they would yeah. take that finger groove that was yeah. there and just sand it down. So, so actually, how I got around that early on before we were allowed to mod stuff was. Uh, I went down to the armory. We used to have M16A1s way, way back then. I found an M16A1 grip and put that on my nice my gun. It looked close enough that nobody gave me a hard time about it. But I like the Bravo. The uh, what is it? Bravo Company. Yeah, Bra- the BCM Bravo? gunfighter grip. Yeah. I like that. It's kind of nice, better, more modern grip angle, and it's skinny. I'm running a Magpul right now. Yeah, but I really like Hogue. Yeah, I like that thick, it's sticky, yeah, hard. Or the sticky rubber. Yeah. It's a little bit bigger. Not a fan. Yeah, Chris hates them. Yeah, we've had this conversation many times. He mm. makes fun of me. But I still like them. I mean, and that's the nice thing is that I don't really know if I've actually seen like a junky AR pistol grip. Like I, everything's like, okay, Ergo, Magpul, Bravo Company, whatever. It's all kind of like, okay, whatever fits your hand best. And that's the nice mm-hmm. thing with these weapons is they're modular. And you can change that. With a screwdriver. Yeah, if you don't like it, just no. It. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. minus the spring. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Just, just be yeah. careful that spring. When, when you do yeah. take that off, there is a spring in there. So, but yeah, it's 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 relatively easy. I find with the buttstock uh, because something's adjustable, and again, for whatever reason, everyone thinks that smaller is better when it comes to the the carbine. Uh, everyone wants to suck up and make that small, tight buttstock. It's not. Extend that thing out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always run mine fully extended. And I've I've had the conversation with a, a gentleman that I, I have a lot of respect for. He's like, why don't you just put in a regular A2 buttstock on your gun? Well, no, I'm not going to do that. That, that. that doesn't yeah. look right. But, right. you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, me, but I do when I'm slick, it's fully extended. Yeah. yeah. When I'm wearing arm or something's there, I'm I'm pushing down the first. And, uh, and so that that's what I was gonna say is yeah. I like having the adjustability because I change my you know if I'm throwing on I'm wearing a rucksack with body armor, I'm stacking that the body. Yeah. You know I need to be able to collapse an inch so I have the same thing that I've been training with. Um, as far as the buttstocks themselves. I'm looking for something that doesn't have a lot of moving pieces, isn't very rattly, you know, and that locks in position that when I put it there, it's going to stay there and it's going to stay there until I intentionally move it. Um, Most of my guns, I use Magpul. I've experienced, uh, experimented with some of the other different companies out there. And I seem to always go back to Magpul. Well, Magpuls, they're good quality ones. I use a lot of them on, on my guns, some of their different variants and they're, 
inexpensive comparatively. Mm-hmm. Yes. I do like me, though, the SOT mod by, by B5. Mm-hmm. I have that on some of my guns, and I think that's, that's probably my favorite. But again, you're, you're going to spend a little bit more money on that B5 than what you are on a Magpul. And the Magpul ones work you know, just as well. I like, I like that rubber pad on the back of that Magpul. Mm-hmm. I, li- I like my the whatever buttstock it is. I like that base <laughs> to be sticky. So yeah. when I when yeah. I put that in my shoulder, it's we're starting to find out a lot about you liking things rubbery and sticky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's family podcast. It's gotta stay there. Uh, yeah. No, I wasn't going there. I was just yeah. I was picturing like a, a childhood experience of of candy and no. you know Chris sitting in the corner, lollipop stuck to his uh, face. Never had gum in my hair. Mm. Well, you have to have hair first. That's true. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you, Magpul stuff. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were with me. No, Chris is, no. is balder. No. Yeah. No, the, uh, yeah. Does it make you feel good to know that there's a balder guy? Who said I'm bald? I'm just trying to give you a complex. Yeah, no, I, isn't that I, why I've you already always, got one, yeah. <laughs> isn't that why you always wear the Aimpoint hat? Yeah. No, I wear the Aimpoint hat because it's just such a superior, reliable oh, hat. Is that it? Yeah. No, superior, <laughs> reliable hat. Yeah. Well, on Most that, so hey, on the market, hey, let's yeah. uh, let's talk optics. What yeah, what do you go. have on your guns? Uh, so my team, we, we kind of used to all issue just aim points across the board. We had the old uh, the M sixty eight CCOs, yep. Yeah. And then we got the M fours. We got uh, uh, the the aim point micros. But then uh, we started talking and looking, and um, guys, just different eyes, different philosophies. So we said, hey, we're going to go with uh, we called it a SWAT mod. But the idea to have an optics suite, so guys have the selection between an aim point micro. And EOTech, uh, whatever the EXPS three, I think their latest and greatest, mm-hmm. and then um, then Elcans. So guys have a mix, a choice of all three what they want, and each of those comes with a. The Elcan is a one to four, or a one and four. The EOTech comes with a, a three power magnifier, and the Aimpoint comes with a three power magnifier. So guys have their selection and what they want. Right now I'm using a, an Elcan, but uh, yeah. If I wasn't poor. I would have an L can, <laughs> and that comes from my experience. Yeah. Three of my trips, I ran that L can very, very successfully, and really, really liked it. Uh, talk about a sight that you can drop. Oh yeah, no, I, the I, thing uh, is a tank. Yeah, and it weighs as much as a tank. Yes, it does. So hey, one thing I didn't like was it was heavy. It, it really is, and especially now, like as much as I like it. Uh, a couple of my teammates went out and out of their own pocket, got a uh, Night Force NX-8s, the little 1-8s. Yep. And with that and a mount, it's the same weight as an L-can, but now you've got all the way up to 8 power. Yeah. And I'm just kind of thinking like... But you with, can't jump with those. Okay. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll are you notify. Gonna, are you going to start jumping? Any, I can't do any uh, yeah. uh, Halo inserts to, uh, well, I mean, to barricaded subjects now. <laughs> yet. Some, yes. Yet. Sometimes yet. assaulting from the roof down is the best policy. That's true. That's yeah. true. But um, but yeah, I think the LPVOs are kind of starting to come into their own a bit, a bit more. But you know, I, and just to piggyback on that, I think magnification is a must. I think as as a law-abiding citizen or as a, as a police officer, you have to have magnification, not for shooting at long distances, but to be able to say it like 35 yards. Yeah, that's definitely a gun in that guy's hand. Yes, and that's and that's what it's for is for the PID, not yeah. or turning. even at a hundred or even you at a hundred. Yeah, maybe you're yeah set back getting that standoff you need. Yep. You know, is that a is that a gun or a cell phone? Yeah. So that'd be a great point. I'm a big fan of the uh, the EOTech magnifier combo. Yeah. Uh, for for the price point, what you're getting, and then I'm also an EOTech fan. That's why I run on my gun because I I'm a poor and I don't have a laser, but I can still run night vision with my EOTech. That's what I was gonna say. Is as much as I am an an absolute aim point advocate, 
especially because again, for policing, they have to wear a lot of different hats as a, as a patrolman. You need something that's going to have like an eight-year battery life and just a simple dot. Absolutely. But if if you're willing, if you want to do passive engagements with night vision, how's the uh, the battery life in the aim point uh, pistol? It's still, mine has been on for well, quite a while. Mine, okay, all right. Yeah. All right. Just, we'll talk pistols another time. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Um, but the uh, the EOTech, if, if you're going to do passive engagements, EOTech is the undisputed king of passive night vision engagements. It's just the optic yeah. for that. They're, you're not going to find something better. And, you know, downside, you have to recognize that, is battery. Yeah. And you've got to have spare batteries with you, and you have to yep. change your batteries. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I recognize a flaw in my system. Yeah, I I didn't even use a laser when for at work, so I would just use EOTech because I could get behind. Yep, and still get that good sight picture with the the night vision setting and be just as accurate as what, with a laser. What were you running? Fourteens, fifteens, thirty ones. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, so my Afghanistan gun, I had a ACOG with a offset red dot. And then I also had offset irons on that. So one was, my red dot was more like a 42 degree, and then my irons were like a 45. So I really like that setup. Hmm. Cut the weight from the LCAN, still had my magnification, and then I had my, my red dot as well. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You got pictures of that, of that setup? I think I might. Okay. I'm yeah, pretty sure. I'd love to see those. My teammates made a lot of fun of me. They're like, oh, how many more sites you need? So, <laughs> yeah, we were training. Uh-huh. Uh, went and talked to the boss for a little bit to entertain him. Came back, and they had taken pretty much every site in the Bravo box and attached it <laughs> to my gun. He's like, hey, we found your gun. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the benefits of not having a lot of rail on your gun. Yes. yes. Yeah, it yeah, does yeah. limit the things that can be put on. <laughs> I think when we talk about furniture and things, yeah, accessories, it's just because there's room does yeah. not mean you need to fill it. You don't need to have two flashlights. You know, well, this one's IR and this one's you know white hey, light. Or hey, look, look, it, I first heard when I came to SWAT, two is one and one is none. Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but you got two flashlights. I mean, got, it's got batteries. It's gonna die. I, I have heard. I have on the left side, I have the low power light. Yeah. And on the right yeah. side, I have the high power light. Oh, yeah. So if I'm inside the building, I'm using the left light. And if I'm outside, I'm driving the right light. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've got some different stuff on a lot of my guns. Uh, I've been, been running, and you'll see actually in classes with my primary pistol and also my primary uh, um AR pistol, my primary rifle for training. They both have Vortex uh, scopes on them. Uh, I still like, you know, EOTech. And at work now, we're actually running, uh, what is it, the T2s? T2s, yeah. Um, that's what we're running at work. But uh, one thing that I have, because, you know, I'm just that, that paranoid kind of guy, is I still have some old ACOGs. Because uh, when we get EMP'd, that ACOG is still going to work. And, uh, you know, the other ones that were requiring batteries, the, they ain't going to be working. So I'm so still talking, thinking that way. Talking backup irons, what are, what are your guys' thoughts on backup irons? Well, I still like to have them, but man, statistically, I'm not using them. Not using them at all. Uh, the 
doesn't matter what it is an EOTech or an Aimpoint or, or all these, they're just so reliable and so rugged yeah. anymore that unless it's directly getting shot, th- you know, through where it's it's destroyed, uh, they're they're still good. Yeah, I like I said, I don't run them on my gun, and I've never heard of anybody having to switch over. And the reason I had offset irons on my work gun for Afghanistan was because I was running at ACOG and there is no way with your eye relief yeah. to have, you'd have to take the whole scope, the yeah. actual ACOG off to get that back one yep. up. So I just, because that was the thing, like you got to have backup irons. Like, well, I'll just get offset 45s. And that was Jared flipping up his front sight. That's right. Yeah. And then if I do have backup irons, then the ones I like the best are the Magpul, the metal ones, what are they? I don't even know what they're called. I think Embus Pro. Embus, yeah, Embus yeah, Pro, that, yeah, that's right. And uh, one thing that I know we did with our Mark 18s is w- with those backup sites is since we had such little rail space, we always ran them to the very end and then flipped them backwards just to give us an extra, you know, mm-hmm. space or two on our rails. Yeah. Hey, I will say if you're going to have them, get some good yeah. sites because yeah. you can get some pretty, pretty cheap ones that are – some Chinese knockoff of a mag pole, and that thing will break the minute you flip it up. Or <laughs> when you go to adjust it, you snap the front sight. So, yeah. you know, I'm not saying spend three hundred dollars on a set of flip up sights, but you know, get get a good quality set of sights. Yeah, with irons. I mean, I having the L can. I guess I. Yeah, see your work gun. I guess technically these are these are backup iron sights, but yeah. I, I don't know if they're actually any good. <laughs> <laughs> so we tried them with the ACOG. Yeah, there's definitely a learning curve there. Yeah, like so. I've messed with it a little bit, but just it it's a very yeah. short sight. Yeah, base. It's a, yeah, it's that's like a Glock 43 sight radius on that. But um, so the, those of you that are listening, not watching yeah, the video, of that's this, right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Flynn is holding up his work gun where he has his L can, and on top of the L can there is a peep rear sight and a blade front sight and it's very rudimentary but um it's something but yeah but now my opinion is if you if you can fit irons on there you may as well but i've seen guys when we first got the l cans and guys were having horrible eye relief issues and i'd been off that day and they called oh dude these things that was great but now we're having this problem I said well you just got to take your just got to accept you can't use backup iron you can't have your iron sight where you had it before you're mm-hmm. just gonna have to ditch them Guys are like, oh, okay. I guess it's a good point. And same thing. But if you're using something like a, like an Aimpoint or an EOTech, I I would absolutely have them if I can fit them. Mm -hmm. Just flip them Mm -hmm. up. But, but again, if I didn't have them, I also wouldn't worry too much. And they make those 45 offsets too. Yeah. So, and then, uh, I mean, running that ACOG with the offset red dot. I mean, ACOG no batteries, red dot yes. But if it was a battery powered optic, I mean, that's two battery powered optics. I don't foresee ever having issues with those. But, yeah, if you pay attention. I mean, yeah. if you're that kind of guy that you've got to have that set of irons, that there are other options. You know, you may need to mount that that rear offset 45 iron in front of that L can. It'll shorten that distance a little bit, but it's still going to be you'll still you'll still be effective with yeah. it. Yeah. So jumping from sights to all right now, how do we zero our sights? I know that. Jared and I have our perspective. I know, Chris, you have some weird math that you do. And then, Flynn, you suffer from uh, departmental policy, right? Yes, I do. Well, I did. Oh, you did? I did. Okay. I did. Right. I, there, but there's definitely been a lot of dumb ideas on how to do things. Uh, one I actually heard when – so 
again, I'm fortunate to train with a lot of different uh, units, both federal and, uh, and military because of my location. And uh, we went down with an army unit to a facility and we were shooting with them before their, for their pre-mission training. And uh, they were obviously had a 50, 50 meter zero at the time and we were using a 25 yard zero. And so we were shooting a qual course with them and uh, we could, were having a heck of a time. And they were like, well, why don't you just shoot 50 meter zero? We're like, oh, well, we don't do that. Like, well, you should try it. So we tried it way easier. So we came back and said, hey, let's do that. And then it started into a whole, devolved into a whole argument where <laughs> one crew was arguing that we should, oh, we should figure out the average distance of the average house inside of our jurisdiction and then zero at that distance. And oh, yeah, it, it got it got weird. <laughs> like, like, hey, man, all these other guys figured it out. Let's just go with that. So yeah, I, I like you're I, zeroed at seven and a half meters. Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> no, it, it's it's ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, so, no, and I, I like the 50. I like the 50. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at your zeros. Really, there's four common ones. Uh, well, I'll say three and then a relatively new one. You got your 25, your 50, your 100. And then I say relatively new. It's new that people are hearing about is a 36-meter zero, which from what I've been seeing is what the Marines use. So, and I'll just kind of cover some high points on that. So your 25-meter, you, you're having a 6-inch variant of bullet impact from zero or zero to, to 300 meters with your 36 meter zero you're looking at about a four and a half inch variant between zero and 300 meters uh, 50 meter you're looking at a seven inch variant between zero and 300 but it goes to one and a half inches if you're only looking at zero to 250 and same with your hundred you're looking at 16 inch variant from zero to three but it drops down to five and a half at your zero to 250. So I would recommend using what, what you're gonna use that, that weapon system for. You know, as a military guy, we say zero to 300. So for me, that 36 meter zero is nice because it's four and a half inch. I don't, that's point of aim, point of impact all the way from zero to 300. I don't have to worry about holds. Whereas your 25, I mean, you got six inches at 200, right? So you're you're starting to do math, a yeah. lot more training, yeah. right? And if you don't understand. It, because it's so extreme, that's why, I don't. I can't speak for conventional units, but that's why almost all soft units that I know of, and it's gone and, to the and 50, a lot of guys, 20, yeah, 5200, 50, yeah. yeah. Or I know individuals who've gone to the 100 for that same reason, mm -hmm. less math. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, absolutely. But the, you're saying the 36. The 36, you're going to be within a compact disc from zero to, to 300 meters with your shot placement. So point of aim, point of impact. Shooting? 5.56. Five, Doesn't matter. Grain? Oh, I would say you're going to be relatively close, depending on your grains. Okay. But this is this was... Developed for the uh, 118. Okay. Green tip. So that's what, 62 grains? Yeah. Yeah, 62 grains. So 62 grains. So if you go a little bit heavier, you can have a little bit of a, a deviation off that. And if you go a little bit lighter, you'll have probably maybe a little bit better until you start getting out farther. But good starting point. And of course, like with anything, your gun's your gun. You need to shoot it and, and realize what your holds are. So you're going to put that target every 25 or every 50 meters and, and get your data 
And that's one of the biggest things that, um, I think one of the biggest learning curves when people come to our classes at, at the beginning, you know, when they're doing the level one classes, is after we zero, trying to, you know, for them to finally figure out that I'm just not putting that dot where I want the rounds to hit. I need to think, okay, I want the rounds to hit there, and I'm so close, so I need to put the dot you know, at, a, at a different location, yeah. put those crosshairs, you know, somewhere else. And that's, yeah. once they finally grasp that, then they're really on their way. Yeah, so training Iraqis, we to teach them holdovers, we used to shoot at seven meters. I would put a dot there, and I would shoot, I would aim at the dot, right, and it would hit low, and they're like, oh, you missed. I was like, well, I'd walk up there, and it was really easy with the AK because of the front sight was yeah. right there on yeah. the end. So I would put the muzzle on the hole, and the front sight lined up with the dot. And they're like, bing, light bulbs. So th that was an easy way to teach it for them. A little bit harder with ARs because they're not quite mm -hmm. yeah. made the same, but same same principle. I don't think that drives the point home about whether we're talking optics, triggers, barrel length, or, or zeros, is you have to go to the range and train because the best zero in the world, the best whatever in the world is no use to you if you don't know how to use it. And you've got to go and learn those holds. Absolutely. I mean, snipers do it. Yeah. How do you know what your bullet's going to do at 800? Well, you go out there and shoot at 800. Yep. Yep. And just, I don't know how you guys do it, but for us, every range day, we start off with zero confirmation just to, like, make sure that guys' guns are on because uh, with electronic optics, regardless of the brand, thermal drift is a real thing. Some display it worse than others. And other stuff, you get mechanical drift if it's bounced around the trunk of your car or whatever. So mm -hmm. we just, every day, start off, you know, zero confirmation. If the same guy's always having trouble, it's like, hey, are you a... Uh, your screws locked tighted down on your on your mount. You know, how are you storing this thing in your in your trunk? That kind of thing. Yeah, that well, was one of the the great things about being in Iraq. Uh, we had the ammo. We had the range right there. You're going out on a mission. Oh, you guys very, probably just went very easy to go confirm zero before you went. Out. You test fire your 50 cal. You test fire your crew serves. You can go check your zero. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I think it, it falls in that like stigma of oh, you do maintenance on your gun. You check your zero. You're not confident in your equipment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, no, God, I'm confident yeah, in my yeah. equipment. But this is my life on the line here. And it's not just my life, but it's your life. So yeah. I'm going to trust but verify. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's what we started. Because, again, I believe that you have to control the language to control the discussion. And we stopped calling it re-zeroing. We started calling it zero confirmation. Yeah. You're, you're not re-zeroing every day. You're just... Trust but verify. Yep, trust but verify. Yeah, I'll re-zero changes of the uh, weather. Yeah, well, that's... Right? right. So you're going yeah. from... I mean, what's it, 29 degrees out there today? It's yeah. cold. My my zero from the summertime is not going to be the same right now when I did it in yep. Tennessee when it was 130 degrees out. So it's going to be a little bit different. So when it comes to flashlights, I mean, I have to say that you have to go with the classic uh, Surefire, what is it, 600 pistol grip. <laughs> Uh, you yeah, know, yeah, yes. the, the boat anchor. The weighs, boat anchor, you know, weighs four and a half pounds, and four and a half lumens. And, yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, incandescent bulb with twenty lumens. Yep, but the, it did have the cool little LEDs, the blue LEDs that you had that extra switch for. Yeah. So uh, that that's what you should have on your guns. Hey, that was the hotness when uh, we two thousand six ripped out with a team that came in. We were just like, how'd you get those? And now. Yeah, that went out with Merrill's. I mean, yeah. you know, hey, it's it's funny you mention Merrill's. So my and my, you still have that flashlight. So my first, hey, 
My four-year-old plays with that flashlight. That's her <laughs> flashlight. It's a great flashlight for her. So, so my first weapon light was actually because all the I guess all the HK lights broke, like the little HK brand. I don't know if you guys ever had those. Or, yeah, but never played with them. Yeah, they had the HK, and they would go click on the end of the G36. They'd all broken by the time I had gotten there because I think they bought them. I was in middle school or something. <laughs> so I get there, and it's like you know. 2013, like, all right, we just got new weapon lights in, and we just switched the M4s because uh, on my G36, I had a duct-taped uh, Surefire 6P taped on the end of my, my G36. So we got the M4s. All right, we just got lights. I was like, oh, cool. What? You know, I, mm-hmm. All right, what we got? They, they had bought in 2013 the Surefire, the, <laughs> oh, the boat yeah. anchor, the yeah. great big one. No, I'm sure they got a great deal on yeah, it. That's what they said. They said, oh, we got a great deal on it. I like, oh, yeah, I bet you did. So I had to break up my own credit card and buy a Scout light. I was like, I'm not carrying a two-and-a-half-pound light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I like the Surefire lights, the Scouts. They're light, they're bright, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think get something that's decent. And my only requirement is it has to be LED. Because I think incandescent, I think we it, all does, agree. it doesn't. It's, yeah, it's have enough power. Yeah, and um, I like it to run off at a minimum the the CR one twenty threes. I don't like the ones that are only rechargeable because I've seen recharge. The problem with rechargeable batteries is when they die, you can't just swap them out. You have to recharge them. So if you got fresh batteries, you can always throw fresh batteries in. So I like the Surefire dual fuels for that reason. I'll do the uh, what's it an eighteen six fifty the rechargeable. I'll leave it in there for like mm-hmm. my primary one because that gives it a bit more juice and then if that dies I'll just toss that in a pocket and grab some one twenty threes out of my pack and, and go with that. Yeah. So that, that that's my requirement. L E D and then runs off runs off both. I like the uh enforce. Is that an enforce? Enforce yeah. yeah. Yeah the enforce. Um I've got the it's got the switch from white to mm-hmm. IR. Yep. Yeah. One button on the back. Super low profile. I can mount it on top, use my thumb, and do a side mount. Uh, bottom's a little bit harder mm-hmm. as far as activating that. So definitely a, a, a side or top mount for that one. But I like nice and slim, yep. which is kind of my theme. I like that slim. So when you are working barricades, it's not getting in the way. It's not making my gun roll up at a weird angle. And it needs to be able to take a beating because I have pushed my light <laughs> into barricades and walls to use as a shooting platform. So if it's not a a well-built piece of equipment, it's getting broken. Yeah. Yep. And for mine, I think all my primary weapons, I have Surefires, Scouts, and then for a lot of my, you know, secondary ones, I have, I have Enforce. Yeah. yeah. I, I like both of those. They're both pretty pretty solid and, and reliable. I just think I like the Surefire ones just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it's Surefire, you're not going to go wrong. You're paying, mm-hmm. but you're yes. getting what you pay yeah. for. And so often you get a company that you pay a lot of money, and it really isn't that much better than yeah. the competitors. You're just saying, well, I have this brand name thing. Mm-hmm. Where Surefire, I think you actually are yeah, getting uh, that next next level. And the benefit, too, is if you go online to eBay, you can get a fair amount of the, uh, not old, old, but like, let's say last, you know, last seasons, uh, Surefires from guys who didn't have to turn them back in on eBay for fairly cheap. Like lights that might not be a thousand lumens, but they'll be 600 lumens. Mm-hmm. And they're going to last. And they're going to they're gonna be, be bomb proof, so. If you're looking to save a few bucks, buying buying secondary market. 
I know with placement for my guns, my primary concern is I can operate it ambidextrous. Yep. Both hands. Yeah. Yep. And that that's really what drives where I put it and place it. Yep. Um, I've I've had good experience, and like Chris has with you know with pressure switches. So again, that just gives me a little bit more flexibility of where I put it, as long as uh, I have that pressure switch in a place where I can get it with with both hands. Yeah. So for me, because I have poor experience with mm-hmm. tape switches, I have to have that push button, and I have to be able to get it with both hands. So I like running it on the right side. Yeah, I'm generally a right-handed shooter, so I try and keep the left side of my rifle kind of clean. Um, kind of at that 45, uh, that 2 o'clock position, if you will. Yeah. Uh, that gives me the ability of getting with both hands very easily. Um, it, it's out of my way. It doesn't, doesn't seem to bother me. And then if you know I'm going to ma- mount a laser on my weapon, I still have the top rail available yeah. to, to mount yeah. that laser. Yeah, and just one thing that I've seen is, is people want to mount them real close to themselves, and the problem is they end up with a real crazy barrel shadowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they got to get farther out. I've seen other people stick them. They want to stick them underneath. I, I, I kind of just like on the right-hand side as far forward as, yeah. as, as you can. And one thing that I do with mine that are, that are far forward is then I take um, chapstick. I was just going to yeah. say and this. You yep. just, you smear it around yeah. there and just keep working it until it, it – turns clear yeah and then use that to protect it if not you know, and i've that's how i learned is i i didn't put anything to protect those flashlights and man you run a good night course of fire or something you, or got, whatever. you got a bit of a shadow yeah yeah. yeah yeah smoke lens yeah. yeah but man when you clean that off you're like wow i got a brand yeah. new flashlight yeah. exactly. yeah. now so what we'll actually do is we have like they're like lens covers that are clear plastic and mm-hmm. we, we bought them for force on force because we were you know we're going toe-to-toe with each other and we're breaking each other's uh surefire lenses yeah so we, we got those for that, but then we found two when we're doing like low light, we'll stick them on that. So we, because our issue is we're operationally when we're training. So if we get a call out, we yeah, go. Yeah, got to so go. So we just pop those off and, and go. So it's got nothing to do with the AR platform, but you guys ever run, I think was the Hellstorm? Yes. We were just talking about yeah, that. Yeah, on the 50 cal. Bro, I love that mm-hmm. thing. I could like light a match with, with turning anything on. That's the, the brightest light I've ever seen. Yeah. And then messing with people who shouldn't are getting a little too close to my perimeter while I was on the 50 cal and hit them with that strobe. Oh, that was it's awesome. So for those of you who don't know, the Surefire had a, a light for our M250 cals in the turrets. Uh, think of the old police, well, they still have them, the police cruisers where they got the, the big yep. spotlight. spotlight. Yep. It was about that size, ran off of a, a yacht battery. <laughs> And you turn that thing on, and it would it would bleach your skin white. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was seriously a laser beam from the sun. It was yeah. pretty and intense. What I loved is they had an IR cover that you could slap on top <laughs> mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. And so I would be, you know, vehicles completely blacked out. We're driving down, you know, an urban environment, and I'm able to sit there and s- just scout everything. And I'm illuminating people's houses. They have no idea, um, but I could see so much with that system absolutely love that yeah someone looks out the window they have no idea why they're going why they blind. can't see yes <laughs> ah, yes <laughs> yes i just lost all my eyesight for some reason uh, uh one of the things that i've been seeing that i haven't played with yet but is on my list of toys that might turn into tools are some of the um the vampire lights yeah. that you know it's a an led clip on it's a small thing that then goes on to your existing rail or or even flashlight if you have room for it. That just gives you a little bit more IR throw um, on your weapon system. For those of us that aren't running 
like an LA five that has an IR light on it and they're not very expensive. You know, they're hmm. sub $60. I know that, um, Streamlight makes one. Okay. Um, it's something, a, a snake name, like the Sidewinder or something like that. Uh, we had someone out at the last uh, low light class that had it. And it was impressive enough that mm-hmm. I put it in my list of I should grab one of these and start p- playing with it to see if it's an actual tool. And that's one of the things I encourage everyone. When you yeah. when you come across something, understand that it's a toy until you've confirmed that it's a tool. Yep. Well, and it, <clears throat> I would say if you're running nods or you have nods, you need to have a IR flashlight yeah. as well. You just, the, yeah, you want that capability. Ability to switch over or they make the, the lens caps where you just flick them off. So those are definitely a plus. So with nods, we have lasers. We have lasers. Um, I'm not a huge <clears throat> fan of visible lasers. The only reason that I've ever used visible laser was uh, to let someone or the thought process was someone knows I'm pointing a gun at them. Yes. Yeah, especially at night because yeah. we run blacked out. And that's, yeah. So on the, the LA5 that we run, you know, you can make those settings. So I would have IR, IR and IR, right, the flood and the, the laser. But the nice thing about the LA5 is you got that cap. So mm-hmm. it's a visible when it's off, but you put the cap on, now it's IR. Right. And that was cars coming up. Yeah, it's black. They don't see us. But I flip that off, use that red red dot, and they know on their dashboard, like, whoop. So with, like, in-state in mind, um, with your build, if I'm putting a laser on my weapon, I'm putting that laser on for my night vision. Yes. So as a as an armed citizen, I don't really need that uh, visible laser. I'm not de-escalating. I'm pointing a gun at someone for a reason. It's a hostile encounter. Um, so I... I I'm looking at an IR laser, not a combination. Yeah, I. As me, as the armed yeah, citizen, I, I'd almost try, yeah. tend to agree, even even on the law enforcement side, because while we do get a use out of a visible laser, we will use them for, I'd say, de-escalation. But it's basically like, hey, dude, it's one thing to have a gun pointed at you; it's another thing to know that you have a gun pointed at and you and where it's pointed and where it's pointed. Yeah. Right. So everybody's, you know, so we'll use it for that for de-escalation. We'll use it for. Um, if we're working with units who don't have night vision, we'll use that for, for, for de, uh, deconfliction or designating, like, hey, this is the target structure. Mm-hmm. And, like, for communication, like, for link-ups or whatever in, inside of a big structure. But we don't have it for that. We have it for the night vision, and it just happens to work for all these other things. So I, I wouldn't mess around with a visible laser only. If you're getting a laser, get it to use as night vision and Absolutely. just make sure that it has a visible laser so you can zero it in the daytime. And, oh, that's the other thing, gas masks. So if you're doing stuff, you know, seaburn work or, or in a riot environment with riot agents, it's it's a helpful sighting tool. But Yeah, when you can't get a proper eye relief. When you relief. can't get a proper yes. eye relief for cheek weld, yeah. But, but again, I don't see a point for, for to visible lasers yes. per se. Yeah. Now, um, I've used it. You, you talked about deconfliction. Yeah. Um, we always joke about training Iraqis or, you know, training Indians is like herding cats. Yeah. Well, how how do you hurt a cat? You put a laser pointer on the ground and you tell him where you want to go and he's going to chase it. Uh, There is value to that. You know, we checked it out and this podcast is being listened to in Iraq. Is it? Yes. And Turkey. I hope some of my friends are listening because you know who you are. I have good people out there. Yep. Marhaban. (laughs) Yes, Yeah. So lasers definitely 
it is a benefit if you are building the system up you have night vision that's your next stepping stone yeah and get something good <clears throat> and there's plenty of good lasers out there you know the d-ball is great yep. the la5 is great um you're going to spend some money, but think about the capability that you're getting out of it, and you want that reliability. And to go back to sticking with a standard, if you stick to like a standard is on like a PEC-15, which I think, I guess the civilian model is the AT-PI-LC because it's class one, or, or the mm-hmm. D-BAL because I think that's a PEC-16 or something like that. Anyway, they, they're a standard. There's a lot of stuff built around There's a lot of knowledge built around them. If you get something like that, you're not going to disappoint. If you buy some junk that's off wish.com mm-hmm. or like, oh, I got it because it's cheap, Cheap is never good. Just, just yeah. either do it right or don't, don't do it at all. Wait, you mean Wish.com body armor doesn't work? I mean, it, it, it works if it's if it's just there to look cool. I thought I was supposed to have that on the dummy. <laughs> yeah. I just picked up what's it called? I don't even know what it's called. This past week, I haven't run it on anything yet. Um. It's a, uh, I think it's a Streamlight pistol mount. It's supposed to be, but um, I guess you can run it on uh, on a rifle as well. Streamlight makes good stuff. Also a Pennsylvania company. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Yep. Nice. nice. Get One of the things run. that, you know, talking flashlights, talking lasers that I, I see all the TLR. time. TLR. TLR uh, there. And then there's the actual system. Hmm. So it has... Uh, white light or it has a uh, ir flood and an ir laser okay um to it but yeah. it looks like it's nice and small it's very very similar to in looking to the um like a surefire 300 or something i'll have to give that a, a try yeah so we we've seen this you know moving up to the objective someone ad's their white light yeah or yeah. ad's their visible laser um you're giving away your position yeah and what that comes to if you put something on your gun you yep. got to train with it. You got to know where those buttons are, and what's going to bump those buttons. Yeah, if you're if you're a police officer listening to this, especially if you're on a tactical team, uh, you might not have known what it is, but you you are having white light IDs, and that's really that's my thing against tape switches is because guys just get lazy and they're slinging mm-hmm. their rifle and boom, white light IDs, and mm-hmm. you've got. And you're be, trying to yeah. move up to the objective. Yeah. Now, you're giving your position away. Yeah. All right, you, yep. you brought up the next subject, sling your weapons. So yep. slings, uh, what kind of slings do you guys like? I'll start right off by saying uh, we do not like three-point slings. Nope. We do not like single-point slings uh, because why? We live in the real world. So two-point slings are, are the way to go. Yeah. Uh, personally, I have ran the Blue Force Gear or Vickers Sling. I have run the uh, VTAC Sling, and I've also run the Proctor Sling, and they're all variants of the same thing. Two attach points and a fast way to cinch it down, um, and I've used all three of those different times when when it counts, you know, out on the job. Uh, VTAC. I reason why I like it is it's thin and it's slick material. So some of the other ones that are two point adjustable, they're that uh, thicker, uh, yeah. you know, weave, and it just doesn't slide as as easily. And if I need to take up all my slack because I got to go hands on or I got to use my hands, I need to be able to grab that thing and pull yep. it and make it work. That VTAC, it's it's a, a silkier uh, mm-hmm. fabric, and man, it just it, it does what I want it to do. Some people like yourself really like that, and other people don't don't like, like it that because for, for that of the same reason. The same reason yeah. Yes, yeah. and I, it's just that's based off of my experience of I've had to 
suck my gun into my body and mm-hmm. go hands hands on. Yeah. And I, I don't want to – I'm already in a stressful situation. When I pull on that, I need it to happen right away. And the locking system on that, I've never had fail me, you know, because that the argument, well, the, the fabric adds resistance and, you know, keep, keeps retention. I haven't had my retention fail on it. I also clean and maintain my equipment. You know, your sling, it gets muddy. It, it gets debris. It gets dirt. You it's have sweaty. It gets sweaty. You have to take it off and clean it. Yeah. You know, it's part of your service equipment and it's disposable. If I, my swing, my sling starts to fray or, or wear out, I'm going to spend another 20, 30 bucks and put another one on. I've got a VTAC on mine right now. Uh, in fact, it's the one I ran almost the entire time I was on team. Well, I say that. Started with the single point. So we had a team starting with big and a single point. So we ran that for about four years and then got my eyes open to the, the two point. <laughs> VTAC. Um, I do want to try T-Rex Arms has their, their version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely want to give that one a try. I like his stuff. So um, it, it, they're all the same principle, like you said. It <clears throat> cinches up. It's got two connecting points. Yeah. So. Yeah, same. No, I mean, I, any quick adjust two-point. I like the the blue force gear, but it's all kind of the same. So yeah. as long as you got two points and it's quick adjust. Go for it, whatever you like. I just don't like a padded sling. I like an, an unpadded sling. Yeah, I was going to say. I've uh, got the padded. Yeah, I'm going to be an old man, so some of mine are padded. Yeah. Unpadded. Well, and yeah. that's the nice thing about I the VTAC. Yeah, that's, the, yeah. The padded VTAC, it's not padded. super big or yeah. wide. Yeah. So it, it's that good compromise of, yeah, I get some padding for, especially when we're walking up the side of a mountain for hours on end. It, yeah. It just starts digging into your neck. So. Do, do we all want to go around and give a bad single point sling story? Because I'm sure everybody's got a bad single point <laughs> we can. sling story. Yeah, just to drive the point home, you're only listening. Why single point sling? Well, the, the last guy on my active duty team uh, who had a single point, he kind of held out because uh, everyone else had had two points and you know just pride. Yeah. Until he went to fast rope, and mm-hmm. as he went and mounted the rope at that moment, that's when his single point failed, and he watched his M4 beat him to the ground. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I had, so my single point wasn't your typical, typical single point. I had a, a, probably about a two inch tether with a, a quick release, um, clasp at the end. And I had a loop on my, my buttstock. So it would clip that into there. Mm -hmm. And every time I had to bend over or do SSE or something, it was ding, ding. My barrel was hitting the ground uh, in the dirt. Uh-huh. Now you're filling up the barrel. Uh, you got to go hands on. It's always in the way. It's never not in the way when you're not holding it. And then to to go offhand, well, it's only set up for strong side. Yeah. So if you're trying to switch offhand, it's all sorts of issues. I don't have a uh, a failure story because I showed it to my team. Our Echo had just gotten back from uh, from Fort Bragg and said, "No, we're all changing to two points." <laughs> I I had a single point on my my gun. I'm going out to the range, and he said, "Come here, new guy. Put this on." And I put it on, and I was new guy, and I didn't argue. 
Um, and I have seen failures. And then I've used like we our um, UMPs. We ran with a, a single point, Ew. and I, I've done things with that where you know UMP is not very big, but it still managed to clip me between the legs, and that was uncomfortable enough that I was like. I've got to put a two point on this thing. So I really don't have like that good, like awakening moment. I was fortunate to have good people around me that just like, come here, stupid. Let me fix you. I knew a lot of guys who were making their own two points. What they were doing is, is they, um, we came up with excuses, some legit others, maybe just more of an exaggeration of why we needed to shoot one of the new thermobaric laws because it had a really nice two-point <laughs> sling on it. So shoot it. Okay, now it's expended. We'd cut it off, and then with 550 cord, use that to, uh, you know, to attach to our, our rifles. Nice. It's a really good two-point sling. So when I first got exposed to ARs, it was right on the Magpul Dynamics uh, yes. era. And yes. I remember seeing the video with Chris Cost and Travis Hale in there, swapping shoulders. Uh-huh. Like, oh, yeah, I definitely need to get a single-point sling. And, yeah, that was cool, like at the flat range, like indoor ranges. And then uh, – Trying to do that with G36, that kind of stunk. And then one of my real early operations, I watched the sergeant. He was, we were moving into position. We were getting set up for this breach. And he was confirming the numbers. And he, like, uh, slung his his ump again. That's why I said, ooh. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Umps, I think, one of the worst products HKs ever made. <laughs> and he, like, let it down hard. He was one of those snap shackles. I just popped and dumped his entire UMP right into this tile floor in this little apartment building. And it was... Okay, we're compromised now, but yeah. <laughs> and we're all like, "What a dope!" But I'm like, "That eh, could have happened to any of us." Yeah, yeah. yeah. That single point sling's just unless it's a breaching shotgun or like a forty mic mic, then it's cool. But yeah. okay, I can see that. And yeah. then my breaching shotgun, yeah, that was bungee cords. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Bungee yeah. cords. That, that's mine was too, with yeah. a clip. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But we can save that for another podcast. Yes, talking about the master key. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, they actually made a sling specifically for that. Now it's basically a bungee inside tubular nylon okay yeah someone took what we've been doing all this time and made money off of it absolutely uh-huh. so the the breaching kits that i know we used to get instead of a a, a, a hook or a latch on your belt what did, what did it come with do you guys remember or maybe you guys didn't get them the uh the shotgun store yeah yeah so what was the, the big magnet you guys ever see those oh yeah those yeah. earth magnets. Yeah. Yeah, earth yeah, magnets. yeah yeah so you know what that works great for so i had one Shotgun? No. Now, uh, Abby uses that when we're messing with the bees, so she'll wear that, and she'll just uh, let her, her hive tool clinks right next to her so she can do <laughs> some of the bees and pull it off and use the hive tool to get in there with the... Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Those are some good magnets. So it works great for that, yeah. Um, all right, slings. Where do we want to attach them? I tell you, uh, for most of my guns, I have the, um, the back plate with a quick detach there, and then I have the, the buttstock itself quick detach onto the right and left side. And then just in front of the receiver, I, on the rail, I'll have a quick detach. Then all the way forward, I'll have a quick detach at the end of the rail. And primarily, it's all the way forward. And then it's over, since I'm a right-handed shooter, it's on the right-hand side of the buttstock. But I do like those different points. If I'm doing something different, it's quick to quick you know hit the, de- the quick detach and then plug it in in any one of those other places, depending on, on what yeah. I'm doing. I, I typically run mine uh, the first spot available. So the front point attaches right after receiver as close to I, as I can get it on the rail. Mm-hmm. And then I, I attach the rear of the buttstock like you on the right-hand side. Um, I'm looking at getting the, the QD spot for 
uh, right above the uh, pistol grip there. Mm -hmm. um, so by going with the close to the receiver on the front and then that right above the, uh, the grip, you're going to get a lot more mobility out of it. You're going to lose some of the retention ability you get when you attach it to the buttstock, but you're going to get that mobility. Mm -hmm. So, but having that quick QD sling, you can switch that in an instant. Yeah. I think that uh, sling placement is one of those things that you've got to keep working with. Yeah. And figure out, you know, it changes when you're putting kit on and when you're, when you're slick. Um, so you find out what is comfortable and what works for you. I have, it's one, it's something that migrates often on my weapon system. I'll say the one constant is that the buttsock side is away from me. And then the, you know, the forward is towards me. So I'm a right-handed uh, shooter. So it's going to be on the right hand side on the buttstock. And then on the, uh, the uh, hand guards, it's going to be on the left side. It's funny how just that placement, right-handed shooter, right side of buttstock, as opposed to left side of the buttstock how much difference that makes on the left-hand side. And I got a transition to my left shoulder, choking myself out mm -hmm. on the right side, transition to left shoulder. I can do it. No problem. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely, again, it's something you got to play with that you may not be thinking about. Yeah. And it's something that you can do in your living room. <clears throat> you know, this doesn't require rounds. This is something you can practice your kit, you know, transition shoulders Hey, is this interfering? Is there something catching? You know, is mm -hmm. my sling inhibiting me or is it aiding me? You got anything? No, on the same QD points, one at the far end of the inside of the rifle, one at the buttstock on the outside of the rifle, and just play with it because there's some times that I kind of want it a little bit closer, other times I want mm -hmm. it further away. And it depends on what I'm wearing and what I'm doing. And, and Some of the cool things about having the, the QD attachment points and the adjustable uh, two-point yeah. is – we know the classic uh, sling-supported firing positions. Yes. So if I have to gain more stability, I can mm -hmm. throw that sling further out there, and I can extend the sling so I have more, you know, real estate on it to take up slack and uh, get that good tight position yeah. for that support. Well, one thing with that, a common thing that I see with students who are inexperienced or just don't run their stuff enough is they usually run with their slings too tight. Yes. Those slings yes. are designed to be run yeah. loose yep. so you can quickly cinch it down, not the other way around. Yeah. 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 And then they just struggle when they're trying to transition yeah. their shoulders or even just move, you know, ready up. And if you have your sling is too tight, you don't have enough to move. And then what do they do? They'll shorten their buttstock. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's almost you, you'll see someone struggling and like, I need I need more more room. So They'll shorten the buttstock, and they'll get that extra two inches that they could very easily have gotten just by playing with the length of the sling. Exactly. Yeah. So what are some of the other add-ons or doodads you guys like in your systems? Chris has mentioned a few times that the grip stop, you know, is some sort of forend for barricade work. I'm not going to say it's a must to have on a gun, but I have it on almost every one of my guns. Yeah. I have that. Usually the grip stop, but also have a couple other things, but some kind of hand stop. I like that uh, to pull back and to help mm -hmm. stabilize that, that platform um, as I'm pushing it into my shoulder. But then also, like as you mentioned, for barricades and for the real world, whether I'm hooking it on something and pulling back or pushing forward, um, I, I do like that. As a touch point. So a lot of my, you know, 
buttons and buttonology is based off of, you know, my hand being in that same place. If I have a an item there that is a touch point and a grip stop or, you know, some people it could be just, you know, some grip tape. Uh, but having that so I know my hand's in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do have a, a AR9 that's a eight eight and a half inch um, barrel. I have a grip stop on that. So I don't put my hand too far forward, <laughs> right. yeah. you know, yeah. um, because, you know, most of the time I'm running a 16-inch gun. Yeah. And I'm used to sticking my hand out there 15 inches. I can't do that when I have an 8-inch barrel. So uh, it, it, I like it as a touch point. It just when I'm tired, when I'm fatigued, when I'm under stress, I really like having a big touch point. Anything else? I'll tell you what I don't like. Bad lovers. Why is that? Not because they're bad. It's right there in the name. <laughs> Go back and forth. Yeah. Um, I would like, I like the concept. Yes. I, li- I like yeah. the ability. I, I had a bad experience with a bad lever uh, where it was, I was constantly tightening it down. It was one of the split ones, one of the early okay. early, early editions. Well, of l- it. L- let me talk about that. Um, I've have used the Magpul one like that. Mm-hmm. Never liked it. I could never get it tight enough. And there's always a lot of slop. Yeah, play with yeah. it. But the phase five variant, instead of just having one screw, there's actually three points to, to lock it down. Love that one because once it was on, it was on and it was solid and it, it did a really good job. Um, I don't know if they stopped making that particular one. I know they're kind of hard to, to come by. I just recently found one and gobbled it up. Uh, they Most of the Phase 5s I see now actually replace that whole uh, um, bolt catch. But uh, I, I really like that one because there's no slop, no play, no, you know. I like the concept. Mm-hmm. I like the concept. But uh, I also like the fact that I've trained myself with a certain manual of arms that if I had to pick up Flynn's gun, or Chris's gun, it's going to be uniform. You know, I'm I know what I'm going to be. I'm not going to be looking for something that isn't there that I've added on. Now your gun has it on there, but I can still run it the same way I run yeah, my gun. Absolutely. So it doesn't take anything away from me. It just adds to you. And uh, where I haven't had that positive experience, I've only had negative experience. Like, man, if this worked, I love the idea. I love the idea that I can function everything from you know yeah. not moving my hand. I, that's I wish it, I wish it worked. Now I, I said earlier in the podcast, I'm not smarter than Stoner. I think that that was one of the things that he missed out strongly on was not making the weapon system more uh, ambidextrous. And you know, I think that's product of the times. We're in a different time where we yep. realize, hey, I'm a right-handed guy. It doesn't mean I'm a right-handed shooter. You know, I'm going to find myself in positions where I'm using my left side. Um, so I think that if he had it to do over again, we would definitely have more ambient yes. features. Yeah. Um, yeah, the bad lever, I, I like the concept too, but I just think they're like NDs waiting to happen because the people, most of the people who I see using them are not religiously applying the safety when conducting a reload. Mm-hmm. And so it's just they're boom, boom, and they're slapping it and they're bringing the finger right in the trigger guard. And I just, without the safety being on it, I think it's just an ND waiting to happen. Just something I've seen with the people mm-hmm. who use them. Yeah, so when I use mine, I say use mine. When I use one I had, I don't run one anymore. I would only use it to lock the bolt to the rear. Because that same thing, I'm, 
I have my finger in the trigger well and I'm not ready to shoot at anything. So I definitely liked it for locking the bolt to the rear, especially if you're trying to do uh, remedial action. Um, I'm not trying to reach around underneath and, and yeah. do crooked hands to try and lock my bolt to the rear. But uh, anytime I didn't make change, I would slap, slap with the left hand. Where it really works well is when you're doing uh when you're down to doing single-handed stuff. Yes. So now yeah. that gun's on the ground, I need to fix a bolt override or, or something like that. It, it really aids in, in being able to lock that, that bolt to the rear when you're manipulating it with one hand. Um, so talking about extra things, one of the things yeah. that uh, I see in the, the gaming community that uh, I don't know if I'd ever really put it on one of my guns is a uh, Magwell mag feeder or something, you know, Magwell extender, uh, yeah, for a um, the you flared know, Magwell. The, flag, the flared Magwell. Yeah. I, I, I don't like those for a rifle. I don't really think it's necessary. There, there so. was a company who uh, a couple years ago gave me a rifle, wanted me to, to run one of their wire, rifles. And that's what it was is that they had some big aluminum Magwell, you know, it flared out thing. And I actually asked them, why don't you, you mill that for me? Why don't you cut a, a, uh, crescent out of there so when i'm going to reload my thumb can go right into the right place in the right place, in, in the right and, place and, instead yes. of getting stuck in that mm-hmm. thing and, and yeah. they did they, they humored me and and cut it out so my thumb can go up there to to do the reload mm-hmm. um charging it oh no go ahead oh I, i'd say it kind of makes you lazy in your technique yeah it, if you're doing a technique right you don't need a flared yeah. magazine well mm-hmm. yeah yeah in my opinion yeah and i think it adds weight and silliness to the gun yeah, weight and silliness are two things I'd like to avoid, which is why I don't have a vertical grip or a grip stop, because even as much as I like them, all the time I spend sitting in cars waiting to go do hits, it, it just digs into my legs, so I get rid of it. And same thing with the magwells. Some of our guys got them, and uh, I still beat them on the range mm-hmm. doing reloads and without a magwell. So to me, it's just... You can train it. Yeah, you can just train it. Yeah. Absolutely. You brought up charging handles. Yeah, charging handles. What do you guys think about aftermarket charging handles? I I like some. Yeah. I I think the one that comes with a gun, the factory one, whatever the GA one. Yeah. Anymore that it does the job, but it's too small. I want something bigger and, and but also rounded, so it's not going to catch yeah. on kit. And then it'd be nice to to do stuff you know ambient, so I can grab either side in order to activate it. Again, a lot of that. Not so much I'm concerned with using my hands, but it's now that I'm wounded and I'm down yeah. and I got to start manipulating this thing with one hand with that ambi charging handle I can grab it on kit I can push it off kit to charge yeah. it there's a lot of just allows me to to work with that gun on a much more functional level if I'm I'm down and I'm wounded I definitely say avoid the silliness so there's a lot of stuff that is ri- ridiculously big mm-hmm. it doesn't need to got be that big big square hanging out there yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the thing. Some of the big ones, like that, yeah. they catch on stuff. They catch on stuff when I don't want it and, to, and when you don't want it to. Yeah. Um, on most of my guns, I run the standard, regular, uh, what I've used all these years. Some of my guns, I have an aftermarket uh, that uh, I got given, and yeah, I'll throw it on a gun. I don't know that I'm really made necessarily a. a noticeable difference other than doing malfunctions you know single hand yeah. mm-hmm. where i have to do those you know obscure manipulations uh i definitely say that's an item that people will think that they have to spend ridiculous amounts of money on no there's some good ones um that are i can't think of the names right now but like for 
twenty five yep. bucks, thirty bucks. You don't have to spend a hundred dollars on charging. Yeah, you handle. do not have to spend a hundred dollars. Some of the you know, some of those hundred dollar charging handles, what you're getting is a feature for like, you know, this is designed to go with a suppressor. Yeah. yeah. You know, it has yeah. baffling for the suppressor. So I'll see someone out there, a student that's running one of these hundred dollar char- charging handles, but they don't have a suppressor on their gun. It's you understand what you're buying and why you're buying it for. Not just don't just throw your money away blindly. Um, make sure that it serves your purpose. Yeah, and uh, new Chris mentioned like the great big squares. I think I, I actually got one of those. Like, yeah, I'm going to be extra fast. And like my first raid when I had that on, I'm right. <laughs> actually. Am I out no, of battery? It, yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. It wasn't. It wasn't an operation. It was actually training. And I looked down and I went click, and it's because I'd slung it and it had caught on my kit and pulled me out of battery. I'm like, oh, okay, that was pretty stupid. I'm not going to tell you about this one. Go back and put the stock one right back in. But uh, but yeah, I like you said with the suppressors. Once we got suppressors, you know, eating a lot of gas, mm-hmm. and adding the buffer weight, and then saying, okay, what else? We started using the uh, PRI M84 gas busters. Some of us went out and got mm-hmm. those, and they were great, but they were still like a touch big. Mm-hmm. And I still think they're most effective suppressor charging handle that I've used. But now we have the Geisleys because they're ambidextrous, mm-hmm. and they're a little bit more lower profile, a little bit more rounded, and so that's that yeah, added with the suppressors. Those are nice ones. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. Any other additions or doodads? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I will admit – to having made some mistakes in my life. And one of the things was I got, dude, ambidextrous. Got to make my rifle totally ambidextrous. So I got an ambidextrous mag catch that installed from the other side. I'm not going to call the company out because it is a great product, yeah. just not for what we were doing. And we were on target. And uh, <clears throat> I slung my weapon to uh, do some admin stuff. And, you know, before I left out, I, I you know, we talked about what right looks like. My rifle kind of jumped out at me because something was wrong. And it's because my mag was sticking out just a bit too far. Because when I had slung my weapon, it had bumped the, uh-huh. the mag release and pushed it out. And that was another thing. I went back and, okay, not not doing that anymore. So I think ambidextrous mag releases are a good idea. But what the form factor is, is, is what you have to look at. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. It, for us, anyways, the amount of times you run into stuff, other people yep. doing stuff. It's, yep. Especially for you. I mean, if you tackle a guy and now you're yep. rolling around, the odds of that coming out of there are pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I think the big realization for me was a few years ago was you're shooting this gun like this much and you're carrying it and dealing with it and breaching and climbing and dealing with suspects and deploying bangs and, and hanging charges like this much of the time. Mm-hmm. So sometimes things that make a gun really shootable in the range – can make yeah. it a hindrance in, in the real world, the real activities. I think that perfectly describes a single point sling. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's great on the range, yeah. but as soon as you introduce the real world, it sucks. Yeah. So other, uh, other items you can throw on there, like the, the ping pong paddle, the bolt release. I'll, I'll admit I have one of those in my gun and I, <laughs> I have the guys one. So the, I, how I do you do, feel about it? I do like it. It has made malfunction stuff. I initially got it for faster reloads and then I found it didn't matter because my, I mean, I do a lot of dry fire. My reloads were so consistent, it wasn't making me any faster, but it was when I had to uh, do stoppage clearance. Having that extra, the, the bigger part on the bottom made it a lot easier to, to activate mm-hmm. that and then lock the bolt gotcha. to the rear. Yeah. But yeah, this big part up top, nothing for me. Although if I'm shooting offhand, it's easier to, to hit. But I think that's what that's there for, is for malfunction mm-hmm. clearance, not for... Because, again, if you need a big ping-pong paddle to do fast reloads, you just shouldn't. 
practice, practice doing your reloads. reloads. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I will admit, I I do make one concession to fashion, and that's um. I do have an aftermarket trigger guard from Geisley because <laughs> all of our stuff is tan, and I just want a little tan trigger guard. And I will admit that is the one, uh, uh-huh. the one Gyarado thing I do have in my rifle. I didn't. I did do that. One of my teammates saw it and goes, "One of new guys," and he's like, "Hey man, I still have your rifle. What's what's the purpose?" It's like, "Do you want to know the, the real purpose or like <laughs> what my excuse is?" He's like, "The real purpose." I was like, "Looking cool." That's it. I'll admit to that. <laughs> Well, you know, so we, we yeah. talked a little bit at the beginning about yeah. how to make our stuff different. Yeah, that was... Um, you know, if this is what your purpose for this weapon system is, is going to the range with it. And you may depend on it inside the house to save your life. Um, there's nothing wrong with Cerakoting it. There's nothing wrong. I mean, we have, we've had female students show up with pink rifles, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, if someone breaks into their house and they grab that pink rifle and defend their family... Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That that scumbag that broke in the house, he deserved to die by a pink rifle. You know, I believe in pink rifle rights. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there are a lot of good, like, aftermarket, you know, color charms that are anodized and things like that. Says you, the guy with a black kitten and Skeletor on his T-shirt. Yeah, I'm just trying to tell people that, Lots you know, of purple, lots of blue, some uh-huh. sparkles. I think there's glitter in it. Yeah. Okay. So, do you see the glitter in his beard? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's Valentine's Day. It you know. took him two hours to do this morning. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, if you want to make your stuff stand out, there are ways that you can decorate without ruining function. Yes. Yeah. There, there are companies that make colored charging handles Yeah. that aren't ridiculously oversized or, and they still function, you know, they, they still serve their purpose. We, we haven't got the mags yet, but yeah, I, I've got a couple of Hello Kitty mags. I, I've got some purple Lancer mags. Yeah. And they're out there. So, you know, you want to be that, that star bellied snitch. You can go ahead and you can get a, a cobalt blue charging handle and a, a cobalt blue trigger and a cobalt blue mag release and a cobalt blue, a bolt catch and you can decorate your rifle as long as it is serving its intended purpose you know don't put a piece of plastic where a piece of metal belongs yeah yeah just because it looks cool my younger boy it's about time for him to build his ar so i got his input is he five on it. because that's when jared's kids start bringing, yeah. <laughs> building their ars so he uh he wants some some red red flare to it so a, a black and red red gun. Lancer makes uh, red I mean, magazines. It's his gun. I'm still in that tactical mindset. Uh-huh. So, But, I mean, if we need to, that can be tactical real quick with a rattle can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I mean, right now my my utility rifle is black and tan. Yeah, same. You know? Yeah. So another uh, attachment, M9 versus M7. The correct answer is definitely the M7 bayonet. Much <laughs> superior than the M9 bayonet. Are bayonets still a thing? I remember that was a that was a big, big deal. You can't have a bayonet lug. You're like, what? Or well, finding to repel borders. I need a bayonet <laughs> lug on my home defense rifle. Well, we had that rash of drive-by bayonetting. That's true. That, you know. Yeah. Drive-by bayonetting. Um, 
do you want to touch on before we move on to, to other stuff? You want to just touch on suppressors real quick? Yeah, yeah, Good, we, haven't, bad. we yeah. haven't talked about them. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, suppressors, I, I think they serve a purpose, but I also think they're kind of like, uh, oh, God, what's the word? Like Hollywood it up, like people like them because, hey, it's cool because special people have them, mm -hmm. so therefore it's a good thing to have. I find them incredibly annoying, but I, I, I've learned to live with them because they have a benefit. Um, on operations, we're all wearing Peltors. So, like, hey, some teams I know won't use them because, like, hey, we're all wearing Peltors, but I think there are benefits to what we're doing. But the main reason that I keep mine on all the time is when I'm out doing uh, emergency cruising patrol and just, like, backing up going to hot calls, I keep both a set of just ear pro on my front seat so I can toss those on. The reason I do like the suppressors because if I do have to get into a deadly force encounter, um, I've got a bit more hearing protection with that because these things aren't hearing safe, but it's less hearing damage. Yeah. So, but. And that, that's one of the reasons why uh, I have a couple cans, but the yeah. only one that's permanently on is on the pistol yeah. that's next to my bed yes. in my house yeah. for home defense. So if I need to start laying down some scunion, I'm, I'm not yeah. necessarily, you know, doing permanent hearing damage to my mm -hmm. kids. Absolutely. Yeah. And same in your case. Yeah. You know, if you're using that, that weapon, civilians, yeah. anybody else. Other, oh, yeah. Other, oh, yeah. Officers. Yeah, other officers. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I actually have on most of my, my guns in my house that are, for self-defense, there's a set of pelters on them. Yeah. That, you know, so if there is enough time, you, you've got some hearing pro it, for it. it. It is funny because that was just, it's, it's, I always find it interesting when people come to like the same conclusions, different places. Like I had somebody ask me once, a patrol officer goes, hey, how come you have ear pro on your front seat? I was like, in case, in case, we have, in case you're shooting, dude. Yeah. Like, have you ever shot a gun without right, hearing yeah. protection? But that's the thing is it there was like, okay, hurts. it's that whole thing. Hey, we're on the range. I'm wearing ear pro. I'm out in the real world. I, I, when we're driving around at night, I have clear eye pro on because yeah, it's it's the same principle. So I think if I had a full-size gun, I don't know if I'd want to mess with a suppressor as a private citizen. But if I've got an SBR, I'm definitely thinking about a suppressor. I think I think it starts to become mm -hmm. useful. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for a tactical purpose, and Chris, you and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah. We really liked them because our guns sounded different yeah. than, yeah. you know, the other people that we were with. Uh as far as the hearing, um, Jared, you and I have talked about this. My first trip in the 82nd, I didn't have Peltors. Yeah. I didn't have – we got into a, a tick. That I didn't stop to throw foamies in. You yeah. Know, we did what we had to do. The adrenaline was up. Um, I, I've had that, that experience. Um, yes, absolutely. Suppressor, It. I think that they should be – more readily available to the everyday citizen for the health aspect of yeah. of hearing uh, retention. Well, let me let me jump on that real quick. Uh, Twenty years ago, it was more of a an odd thing. If you got a suppressor and you were a civilian, you really stood out. You had really at that point singled yourself out in a lot of different lists. Uh, whether it's just, you know, someone like, hey, that guy, you know, just mentally or, yeah. or otherwise. Because only assassins have suppressors. That's right. Yeah. Nowadays, if you have a couple of ARs and you don't have a suppressor, yeah. you are now the odd person. And now you are on that. There's something wrong with this person list. There are so many cans out there that now uh, anyone who's concerned, oh, I don't want to go through the government channels. I don't want to do that tax stamp. You're standing out more by not doing it than yeah. actually by doing it. You're going to blend in by purchasing that that can and uh there's just so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of 
if not more millions of, of citizens who have them now Absolutely. that you you're standing out by not yeah it most states it's legal to hunt with a suppressor now just for that specific hearing yeah. reason and also for houses nearby hunting areas yeah. right it cuts down yeah. that noise pollution mm -hmm. so i will say on suppressors to uh if you're gonna have one you have that on your gun know that it changes yes the ballistics yes know that it changes your zero understand what's going on with that weapon system uh we have guys come out to classes and they'll you know i'm going to shoot the entire day with this suppressor on understand that's going to get really really hot <laughs> yes i uh, three magazines in and that thing is glowing um so there is some downsides <clears throat> to it that if you're aware of and you yeah. can be prepared for the uh, little suppressor cover that you bought from some company that's yeah. tactical cordura it's not meant for uh you know <laughs> a couple mag dumps a couple mag dumps so, and they will catch on fire so i will say that is the only time that i i take my suppressor off as we were at the range last week and very cold it was snowing and you know we're, we're issued some very nice arcteryx cold weather gear and i was looking at my suppressor and i was looking at my <laughs> Six hundred dollar pants I just got issued, and I was like, "Yeah, I really don't want to melt my Gore-Tex down." Yeah. So I just popped that can I, off before we hit the, hit the firing I line. I think all of us have that pair of you know yeah. multi-cam yeah. bottoms that yeah. has that yeah. that burn in them. Well, yep. Unfortunately, my pants that I was wearing were short pants, and oh, and how, how's your leg doing? Was on my leg. So we had the old night suppressors. Oh, yeah, had the corn cobs. Oh, <laughs> yeah, corn nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you could the almost QD. read the serial number on my leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Oh, God. Yeah. I remember, I was at the Great Great American Outdoors show five, six years ago, and some company, I wish I could remember their name. It's probably good that I don't. They had this great idea where you bolt on the end of the barrel of your gun uh, a hinge and your can then is now resting on the side of your gun. So then when you want the can, you flip it out and it locks into place for you to shoot. And I'm looking at them and listening to the sales pitch about how great it is. I'm like, what about your accuracy? Because it's going to be completely off if it's folded over to the side or if it's forward. And like, oh, no, it's the same. I'm like, mm, are you sure about that? Oh, yeah, there's no change. We've tested it. Yeah, I'm sure you have because yeah. there's no way in the world that could work. It's only explained to you uh, barrel harmonics. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And with that, you know, when you're taking it off, so you go out, shoot, zero, right, shoot. Yep. Come back, take it off, clean it, and put it back on. There is a settling period with yes. that, right? You need to be aware of that and know how your gun's going to change. It, better suppressors, you're going to have a little less deviation, but you are still going to have some. Well, you, you guys have heard us all throughout this podcast talk about, oh, save money here, spend money here. Yeah. I think that the suppressor, it falls in that category of, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm putting money into this. It's You're going to get good stuff. Don't skimp on the uh, the flash hider that attaches it. Well, this yeah. one, it fits because some guy on the internet so, said that one fits. So you're no. saying don't buy the suppressor that mounts on the A2 flash hider. No. I'm not going to call the company out that makes this, but yeah, yeah it's 2021. You know, you know, yeah. I wouldn't mess with the Universal I, I mean, anymore. Get a, you're getting a, a Surefire suppressor? Yeah. Get the Surefire yeah. flash hider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's $200. Yeah. And it's an $800 suppressor, and you're paying a $200 tax sum. But that's... $1,200 of quality. And again, you know, we are not sponsored by Surefire no. or any of these. You know, but 
Not yet, anyways. Yeah, yeah. But well, if you'd yeah, like to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, there are good companies out yeah. there. And like Jared said, 20 years ago, you had very few options. Yes. 2021, there are a lot of companies that are standing on the shoulders of giants who a lot of these things have been figured out and found out, and they're getting better every day. So, yeah. you know, definitely do your homework and spend the money on this. Yeah. And Surefire, if you're listening and you want to sponsor us, please do. Um, we, we looked at a lot of suppressors. I would love to find out that Surefire is listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, we nev- have made it. You never know. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we didn't really look at a whole lot. We looked at a few things, but we kind of were guided by the Army's yeah. suppressor study because they paid all the money and did all the research. And, and I think Surefire, if you're talking for like a... Chris, you, you and I both know the difference of going from that Knight's Armor QD... Yes. To yeah. that that surefire, I mean, it was, yeah. Okay, I went from I'm not running a suppressor. That yeah. just you're putting that on to look cool, and it's just it's a waste. To yeah, we're running this on every mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely, definitely. You could tell the difference in, but in Reed's night defense, I mean, that suppressor was oh yeah, it's, probably, what ten years old, e- older probably, easy. So yeah, and I mean. The, the technology is out there, and it's getting better every day. Yeah. 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 Some of the uh, metal 3D-printed stuff is really, really cool because they're able to design these baffle chambers that are based in a computer with the gas expansion model. They couldn't do that on a CNC machine, but because they're printing it in titanium, they're able to do it. And, I mean, eventually that technology is going to come down to a price point that, you know, the average yeah. citizen can afford it. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, better materials. So they're getting better as far as quieter. They're also getting lighter. So question on suppressors, you're going to get a unscrewable one so you can pull the internals out, or are you going to look for a completely sealed? I don't know. Yeah, I guess they do make something you can – I'm not sure if they make user serviceable 5.56 five, cans. Because I know for 22s and pistols they mm-hmm. do. I, I haven't looked at suppressors in so long. Okay, I can't with that one. Okay, yeah, okay. Then that's a silencer yes. code. Okay, all right. There you go, silencer code. That's a good good thing to look at. And, you know, that comes to maintenance and being yep. able to Absolutely. And maintain it. I am a fan of being able to maintain my own equipment and service it if, you know, supply chain becomes difficult. Yeah, so the way yes. we cleaned ours, because they weren't, you couldn't take them apart and clean them. I mean, you left it in a bucket of solvent and then... Let it dry. <laughs> just shook it out and try and get the big stuff out. So, Yeah, that's the other thing is that you need to realize is that even though you're not, like, shooting lead bullets through these things, you do have to because my Surefire can, I think, weighs twice what it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And so calling Surefire, they said the same thing, fill it up with CLR and leave it in a ultrasonic cleaner for a few hours and just knock all the gunk out. But, yeah, yeah. like anything else, if you want the performance, you got to put in the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mags, what kind of mags do you guys like? What kind of mags do you not like? What's your experience? I've used HK, P mags, and then the, the standard mill issue. I like all three. My personal mags are P mags because they're cheaper than H and K mags. Yep. Um, but my emergency mag, the only magazine I carried on on the front of my chest on my kit for the 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 I, I need to reload now magazine that was a the, the old standard issue GI mag GI mag with the improved follower on it 
I mean, I you can't go wrong with those. There's a lot of bad magazines out there. A lot of companies that have tried to copy Magpul, uh, you know, with Polymer, and the quality isn't isn't really there. Range, no problem. Uh, you know, I'll Troy makes magazines. I'll take out to the range and and play with them if it gives me a malfunction. Hey, it gives me more training. Uh, my life is on the line. I'm going with a P Mag. Uh, years and years ago, when I was a young SF guy, I ran HK mags. I'm also one of the individuals that I don't believe in carrying just three magazines. So I was <laughs> carrying uh, more than three magazines. And uh, ounces make pounds, and those steel magazines, as great as they are, yep, are heavy, and they become even heavier when you start, you know, loading up on them. Uh, I got exposed to the P mags back in '07, and we had a guy come out to a training event we were at. And he's like, yeah, this is a plastic magazine. We're like, yeah, get out of here with your Mattel garbage. You know, we don't, we, we're running these HK mags. They're, they're indestructible. <laughs> he brought the gun, uh, he had us bring our gun truck over, drive over the magazine that was loaded. It cracked. He put in a gun and did a mag dump. And we're like, okay, all right. I'm, I'm not sold, but I'm, I'm listening. And then uh, we started doing some dismounted stuff in Iraq where we're, you know, it's hot and we're carrying all this weight. And one of the things that I knew I could change out was my uh, HK mags. So after this really long, drawn-out operation where we're all exhausted, the next day we show up to do our, you know, rock drill and get ready to go out to do the next operation, I'm looking around and all of us have changed. <laughs> there's the no, there's not a single HK mag left. We're all we're all running the P-mags. Yeah. And, you know, those are Gen 1. Uh, whatever the Gen 3, Gen 4 they're on now, the, the little window mags, um, that's what I'm running. Uh, and th- when they break, I know it's broken. You know, it's not like the aluminum mags where I got to check the tolerance and see if it's it's still serviceable. Um, that thing breaks and it's not keeping any rounds in it. Yeah, that one mag that always got recirculated. Yep. <laughs> You're like, dude, throw smash it with the hammer. Smash it with the hammer. That was my experience. The eighty seconds got cycled back through. These and we'd even write bad and we turn them into supply. Supply doesn't have any. You know, some mm-hmm. stupid eighty second supply sergeant. So what does he do? Hands them to the next guy. He says, "I need some mags." Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Hey, so I just says bad on it. Nah, man, you're good. Yeah. That was the guy's initials. Yeah. 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 This guy had a lot of mags. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I actually like the GI mags quite a bit. And I think they actually, I, I like the way, so I use closed top mag pouches on my on my kit. And I like the way they come out better because they're like a little smaller and slicker. But that being said, um, the big advantage to the P mags is when they break, they're broken. Yeah. And that's why when my agency go, went, you know, agency wide on patrol rifles, I said, hey, we got to have P-Mags because I could just see that same exact problem reissuing the same mm-hmm. dinged-up mag, and I'd rather have them spend and less money. When, when you have a, an agency, when you yes. have a, a group yes. of people yeah. that you're providing for, individual, yeah, you're going to check your stuff. Yes. You're responsible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but when you have to treat to the lowest common denominator, you know, you have to think of that. I really like the window in it. Yeah. I mean, being able to see how many rounds I got left. Game so, so there's, we were uh, we were out somewhere. Most you don't of count. Us, yeah, in my head, most of us actually carry. Uh, uh, we always carry like a, a belt line reload, no matter what we're doing. So um, we were out somewhere, and uh, it may have, I think it was some sort of a something. It was a, a 
It's a crowd control event. It was an event. It was an event. It was an event. There were people there. There were people there. They weren't happy to see the police. And one of them just freaked out and posting on Twitter. They had a zoomed in picture of one of my guys' belt line reloads uh-huh. and it had a window. And they said, they've got actual bullets in Because <laughs> they could see the rounds in, in the magazine in the, in the window. So, yeah, that was, that was funny. They're not using Nerf guns. This yeah. is not fair. Well, what did you think was in there? They were empty? Like, so it just, just, just a funny. fashion accessory. Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've used GI mags, and as long as you, you know, maintain them, check yeah. them and everything, no issues, no problem with them. I've used P mags. Um, when I got onto my team, since we were a new team, uh, fourth bat team, um, we didn't have any issued P mags. So about half the guys spent the money and bought themselves P mags. I was one of them. No problems. And then before our first trip, we were issued PMAGs. So all the guys already had them. Like, hey, we don't need them. Um, we didn't get enough for everyone in, in the team to have a ton, so we just gave them to the guys who you know were cheap and didn't buy them. Well, it was a bad batch. So uh, those guys had nothing but problems and malfunctions and issues with those PMAGs. So as a consequence, some of those guys you know that I know of to this day won't touch them. They don't like tape switches. <laughs> exactly. They don't like <laughs> yeah. tape switches. Uh, so I've seen that. Um, I've also seen on on – on a trip, uh, a buddy of mine loaded PMAG with a window, and it it fell out of his kit and got ran over by an RG. and A very large vehicle. Crushed the window, crushed the polymer, the, the, um, floor, the floor plate of the thing was crushed, um, and he was like going to toss it. I'm like, well, let me see it just in case. Stuck it in my M4, bang, single shot, no problem. Bang, bang, no problem. Flipped it on auto dumped all the the rounds in the thing no problem and then uh after it lost all the rounds then i think it like disintegrated a little bit more yeah Yeah, Yeah. but but it actually functioned i was pretty impressed with that and i remember i i they took pictures while i was testing it i did a write-up sent it to to magpul saying hey your product is great here's evidence there's pictures and sent it and i was expecting some kind of like a well thank you i never got anything back and it kind of ticked me off and then i like reread like a month later what i sent and oh yeah i didn't have uh i didn't have abby to, to edit it so it sounded like <laughs> some moron two-year-old <laughs> exactly magpole good <laughs> it sounded like that and i don't know like maybe it was i'm just throwing out a number out of like the 500 words i wrote maybe 250 of them are actually spelled correctly <laughs> it's it pretty sad so no wonder they never responded um I've also have used the Lancer mags and I have really liked the Lancer mags. Um, I like the fact that it's, it's that plastic, but then also it has the metal the feed steel, lips. Yeah. The, yeah. And that, that, that's really nice. Them just like the GI mags though. You need, you need to you look need to at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I will say about the, uh, the Lancer mags as well as the GI mags, you can use the corner of them to uh, actually stick inside the, the window and grab a hold of the bolt sorry, the bolt carrier, and you can force it back if there's a, a malfunction. Mm. And the PMAGs are just too thick. Too, yeah, you, you can't, can't get, get a bite, and you yeah. can't do that. Um, I've used all three for reels uh, downrange, and uh, you know, I've, I really liked them. There's some other mags, too, that I've liked, that I've tried, but I've just had too many you know problems. That are, maybe they're too finicky on the range for me to actually you know entrust my life with them. So what about 20s? 20s, well. 20s or drums or anything? I'll say as a uh, paratrooper, whenever I would jump and I had my uh, and I had my my kit bag, I can what, what I can't even think of the designation of that stupid uh, weapons bag. Come on, jump master. I'm not 1950. Yeah, yeah, yeah it 19, is. Yeah, 1950. 1950 yeah. So case. I would have a 20 rounder because it would, 
it could be loaded mm -hmm. in there, and that's and how I jump. I couldn't stick a thirty. So any good paratrooper always had a at least one twenty round mag with them. Twenties were great for uh, my long range stuff. It's when when you're trying to get closer to ground, it's just less thing sticking out the bottom. It's talking magazines. Well, I, I remember they had the uh, the C mags. I think it was C mags when they first came yeah, out. Yeah, that hundred round. Yes, like, man, that thing was garbage. I didn't work at all. I I sucked it up and I bought one. Uh, man, must have been like ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, sometime around oh, there. Oh God, so and that, that was the height of the oh AWB man, too. It, wow. it, it it cost a lot of coin for me to I actually took it on my first trip to Afghanistan. Did you take your to a graphite too? Oh, oh, you know it. <laughs> And did, that thing... Did it work? Oh, it didn't work at all. <laughs> Wait, I still have it. Like, uh, you know, I see just, it every once in a while. I want to like send, send it back. I want my money. Or what, give me one, of, one of the active killers out west was running with one of those. Yeah. And he got three shots off before he was effectively taken down by a, <laughs> a correctly armed citizen. Yes. And everyone's like, but he had 100 rounds with him. He could have been so much more effective. And the thing that no one is saying is the reason why that armed citizen was able to affect that guy... <laughs> was because he jammed on that third round <laughs> and he was trying to do, you know, remedial action and that's when the armed citizen, you know, took care of business. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to talk about anything too controversial, but the uh, the Las Vegas shooting the Bombay thing, there's a lot of conspiracies around that. Mm -hmm. I always thought the big conspiracy that everyone missed was that those 100-round surefire mags actually <laughs> worked. That was the thing yeah, that the, I found the unusual. Yeah, yeah, the 60 rounds? Yeah, the 60 rounds. Yeah. That's what I found yeah, unusual I, about the whole thing. Was those, that actually those, things, those mags are amazing. Surefire yeah. mags, the... the because they've got the 40 the, yep. and the 60. Yep. They work great. Yeah. You're on crack. Those things are garbage. They're hot garbage. Oh, the ones I had always they worked They never worked. The, the Surefires? Yes. The new ones? Yes. Oh, man. They, I they, they're like they, quad they, they get all wide yeah. and, yeah, just complete hot oh. garbage. Oh, they worked for me. The only thing that I've ever used that was larger than 30 that worked consistently is the D60. Yeah. Well... Yes, PMAG I, makes that forty round. It works great well, too. You're talking yeah, the 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 PMAG uh, D60, D60, the, the little okay. drum. Yeah, I I dig this. I haven't yet to have issues with it, and I've got a few of them running on different platforms like them. But the other thing too is I've got a couple of old school Comblock uh, seventy five round drums for my Kleshnikovs, and I haven't had any issues with those either. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say we, we actually had an incident with a guy who had an AK with a drum mag, and he didn't have any issues either. He he got all 75 <laughs> rounds off. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, 20s, back to 20s. Um, when we do vehicle hits, I always swap out for a 20 just because we're, you know, just that Dude. little bit extra. Yeah, there, there's a time and place for them. Yeah. I mean, they make yeah. the 10. A 10's even, even shorter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and typically for my long-range stuff, I'm not trying to shoot 30 rounds really fast. So... Uh, going back to HK mags, so those will stop a bullet. Um, <laughs> Afghanistan, uh, we got in a little gunfight, and uh, one of my buddies, he falls over, so I drug him behind the truck and, you know, did the pat, no no blood. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I think I hit. Well, no, you're good, dude. Stand up. You're quit, back in the quit fight, laying bro. on the ground. <laughs> He's like, oh, it must have been a ricochet. Well, we get back to the, to the team house, and... Uh, Started going through all our stuff, top mags off and everything. Well, he pulls out one mag, and there it is. 7.62 by 5.4 stuck right there in his HK mag. <laughs> nice. And it was on his on his side. Unprotected. Uh, unprotected. <laughs> so basically that was became side armor. Yeah. And saved him from having a, a couple extra holes in him. So, 
I mean, that's that's a plus to the HKs. Yeah, they're a little bit heavier than made out of steel, but I know for a fact they will stop a bullet. They're expendable. They yes. are. Yes. You should not get an emotional attachment to your mags. Magazines are a consumable wear item. Throw it away when it stops yep. working. It's not your kids. Just when, get rid of them. When we start talking about customizing our, our weapon system to make it you know, stand out from yep. others, uh, you know, we have students who show up and they've got uh, all purple attachments and they have purple Lancer magazines. Yeah. Understand that, yes, you paid an extra $2 for the purple one, yes. but that is an expendable item. Uh, well, coating your mags. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's an expendable item. We've got uh, or my, uh, my friend who shows up to a few classes who's got the uh, banana clips. Yeah. He's got, the, uh, he's got some GI 30 round mags painted up like bananas and they have a little dole sticker on them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So carry transport and storage. I panic scary. I your rifle? You, you oh wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say anything. Whoa, like, eh, it's been a long day. I mean, so yeah. you're a tall guy. Carry in transport. Uh, mine usually goes in my case and comes out when I need it. Uh, I'm currently building a backpack gun. I call it. Okay. So it's my my. It's gonna be a seven and a half inch three hundred blackout. You saw my uh, at that. I did at the ballistics class. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm looking at going with the the SB Tactical PDW brace on that one, um, where it slides in. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not a big fan of the, the law folder. Uh, we had that issue at that one class where it was kind of riding. So. Eh. Out of the I don't know hundreds that I've played with, right? That's that's the one the first, in a hundred. That's the first yeah. time I've I've heard. And I that. think that's that would be an easy fix of just remounting that. So, but uh, yeah, so I, and that's a toss up. They're basically the same price too. So we um, the first gen of those uh, an outfit called Black Sheep Warrior got a hold of one and sent them to us to test. So I, we, we tested, you know, that put it through its paces. It, it's, it's all yeah, right. Yeah, I know both of you guys are running them, and I know neither of you will be running them if they didn't work. No, I don't mean the law folder. I mean oh. the, the, what, what you're. Oh, the, the, PDW. the PDW brace? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the one that collapses in on the side. Yep, right? Yeah, it comes in, it's got yeah. the rails on the side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's a, there's actually a few, well, I won't say that right here. I'll tell you later. But if you Google a, uh, a specific uh, specific thing, uh, child number two pops up, and because he was there testing it, so okay. with, with him holding the thing, yeah. Nice. Anyways, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, so so that's going to be my uh, my backpack gun, as I call it, and that'll be a a if I need something more than a a concealed carry pistol, or just for my my vehicle bag, um, that, that's going to be my, my carry mode for that. So one of the thoughts that I've been having um, recently is in Iraq, you remember all the conventional forces, they couldn't carry a loaded weapon, so they all had that stupid sock magazine typed to, taped to their buttstock. So they had a magazine yeah. back there. You know, There was a magazine actually attached to the gun. Mm-hmm. And so I had the thought the other day of, so I have my my kit i have everything laid out and i have my car bag and things like that that's the way that i'm training myself but we're talking about like you know patrol rifle and things like that 
So what about this officer who he's not carrying a pistol or, you know, a, a belt war belt with really. a, yeah. a yeah. you know, belt line. So he's just got one in the gun. Yeah. Would it make sense? Do you guys think it would make sense for that guy to actually have another magazine attached to on the, the gun on the gun? So that's one thing where I think the uh, it's old school, but the ready mag really shines. Mm-hmm. It's because you got yep. it's. I've seen guys do the jungle clip before, and they always end up the top rounds walks out. But that mm-hmm. ready mag really seems to be like a solution if you want a second mag on the gun. Yeah, heavy, I, I, but it's something that I don't think should be on every gun, but for yeah. specific um, circumstances, it, yeah, yes, that works. Yes. It doesn't apply for me because yeah. I have my kit that I'm going to grab with my gun. Yeah, it doesn't apply another to me, but. cheap solution. Now, I first saw it when I was over in Israel. Um, I already mentioned I went over the work, and they what they did is they took like a radio headset clip. And then they took it, and then they secured it to the end of their their magazine. So then they could slide it up inside the magazine well. So they've got a loaded mag right there, mm-hmm. or you can slide it in a belt. I thought that was genius. I want to take that over to the states and market that. Then I saw like Cry Precision did something yeah, the virtually mag clip. Yeah, yeah identical to that, and that might be a solution. Is that yeah. that Cry? Yeah, I think we we actually have a few that I I had a few for when we we're doing some plain clothes mm-hmm. stuff, just so the same thing, so mm-hmm. I could rapidly and, and clip it on there. But yeah, that's something to consider, whether it be even the the butt stock mag. It doesn't apply for me personally, yeah. mm-hmm. but yeah. this podcast isn't for me. And that was a thought that I was having. This, this That might be something that someone out here listening right now is like, yeah, I have my rifle, you know, I have my backpack gun, or I'm a patrol rifle in my car. Do you have that second magazine? No, you're right. And it's, as we talked about in the basic pistol class, you carry an additional magazine with you, not because you're going to need, you know, 36 rounds, but because if that first magazine has a malfunction... Sometimes yeah. the quickest medial action is to put a different magazine in. Yeah. No, I mean, again, it doesn't really apply to me either because we, we all wear external vest carriers and we're even in that, that um, emergency cruising patrol posture. So we've got the same belt kit we wear doing doing operations just with a different vest on. But for a patrolman who's got to wear, you know, with all the shinies and pokies mm-hmm. on, his, on yeah. his shirt, he can't have – another mags in his belt line so yeah i think something like a ready mag or, or even a buttstock mag pouch the good might be a, a, a real a good idea or yeah to consider yeah or you know old school bandolier that is something that you know when he goes to grab so, that he can grab that and slip it, it over it's funny you mentioned that actually i grabbed that out of one of our just band just some of the dunnage a bandolier mm-hmm. and i stuffed mags and that is like yeah. a grab and go like yeah. emergency mm-hmm. mags fit into yeah. that perfectly yeah Pull a little string out. Yeah, you know? there you go. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. Pull the string out. Yeah, that. Or if you want to get fancy, I think Eagle makes like a yeah, modern. I, I know there's yeah, a lot of companies like, yeah. that make things like that. And we're just trying to give you guys some ideas out there. Yeah, that I think our buddy uh, UW Gear makes stuff. I think he makes yeah. that, yeah. And it's just a thought process of having that extra magazine with you. Yeah. It's not that, yes, necessarily you're going to need that much ammunition, but you would rather have it than not have it. Definitely sure. Well, yeah. And then different jobs mm-hmm. so like flynn's job yeah he needs to look look that part this is what we're doing yeah. and and for a you know specific psychological reason or that that beat cop he he can't and he shouldn't be yeah. looking like i'm i'm ready to, to you know, assault yeah exactly yeah. so he needs to to dress down mm-hmm. to fit that part to fit that role but then if that needs there yeah he needs to be able to Scale immediately response immediately yeah. yeah exactly good points um how do you carry I know me, if I'm carrying a pistol with a pistol ammunition, i.e. like my uh, Glocks or my MMPs, then I'm carrying in the chamber. It's ready to go because when am I going to need that? I'm going to need that immediately when uh, someone else is choosing to cause a confrontation. But for my rifle, 
I don't see a need for me to carry that thing chambered. So I carry it cruiser ready. And that's, you know, loaded magazine in the magazine well with it un unchambered. If I need it, then I can just immediately put it into action as I'm getting it up. And I don't always carry with my AR pistols in my car. That's something in Pennsylvania. If you carry a loaded rifle in your car, even if you have a concealed carry permit, then you're violating the um, state game laws. But if you have a registered SBR or you have a, a, a pistol, an AR pistol, then as long as you have a concealed carry permit, you're perfectly legal to carry that. So there are some times, depending on what I'm doing and where I'm going, where I will have that loaded AR pistol in there. And again, I'm carrying it cruiser ready, and usually it's either tucked in tightly between the passenger seat and the center console to the point where it's not going to move even if uh, there's a sudden stop of the inertia or another really good place too is in between my seat and the door tucked down right underneath it's nice and secure there if it's going to move at all it's just going to move a, maybe an inch or two forward or back um, so those are two areas where if I feel the need and it's certainly within my rights that those are two of the ways that I actually transport it other times. And yeah, it's in a case locked up. If I'm just going to the range or whatever the case may be, you know, then it'll, it'll be stored that way. Yeah. And that's how we did it in when we were cruising IOVs in Iraq, uh, indigenous operated vehicles. So basically civilian cars. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was right there either next to the center council or between me and the door. Mm-hmm. If, as a driver, uh, or if we needed a, a even lower profile, because a lot of times I like to have that slung so it's connected to me. Um, but yeah, that's how we rolled. I'm actually not a big fan of Cruiser Ready for rifles, because Cruiser Ready comes from, uh, let me rephrase that, Cruiser Ready comes from shotguns, because yes. shotguns are not drop safe, so police cars riding around with a shotgun in the back, you hit a bump, boom, you blow out the, the side of the, <laughs> the, the trunk, which I guess did happen back in the day. <laughs> So that's where Cruiser Ready came from. Um, for shotguns, I think it's absolutely right idea, you know, especially for a breaching shotgun, which is the only reason you should be using a shotgun. But um, for rifles, I don't necessarily agree. And the it. shotgun hate the that shotgun hate is strong, oh. yeah. And I and I actually like shotguns, but and, and we have one a very superior uh, shotgun series of classes too for, that's for all true. the hate that we have. Yeah. We, uh... No, I mean, if you have a shotgun, learn how to use it. That's but right. Go see Kirk. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> we should do a shotgun podcast. <laughs> It's, it's not going to be as long as our car. Oh, no, probably not. No. Yeah. Um, Ten minutes and we're done. <laughs> Kirk, so I, Kirk will be in tears. So I don't like cruiser ready because the problem is, is that if you make it cruiser ready, then when you deploy it and you put it back, you have to put it back on cruiser ready. In my experience, most negligent discharges happen because people are messing with their guns. So I prefer to leave the gun hot and then don't mess with it. And that's, for for your environment, for my environment, that, that that's, makes that's, that that's makes total for, sense. Totally agree with that. Um, loading and unloading. Yeah, that's. Uh, I did some time at an embassy, and <laughs> you would not believe the number of negligent discharges into clearing barrels. Luckily, they were clearing barrels, right. but yeah. it was because they weren't clearing their <laughs> weapons properly. I, I, I don't know if I shared yeah. this here or not, Darren. If you're listening, you were there with me. Uh, getting ready to leave uh, Iraq, sitting in a bunch of tents, getting ready to you know catch the bus or whatever, the convoy to, to the airport. And so these tents that we're waiting in, just right by the clearing barrels, this convoy pulls in. We're all doing our thing, twiddling our thumbs. All of a sudden, boom! So I'll look over. And uh, here was this officer who uh, was looking very perplexed as she was like looking at her hand, and I'm sure she, she had a round in her hand, and looking at, at her gun, like her pistol, 
not wondering how this happened. Mm -hmm. So we watch her as she racks the pistol, and now she has two rounds in her hand as she points the, the clearing barrel. Boom! Goes off again. And she's, at this point, how can this be? She racks it a third time. She now has three rounds in her hand, still no. can't figure it out. Boom! Yeah. Shoots again. And then that's when some private went over and grabbed her hand and grabbed her pistol and, and dropped the magazine. The magazine yeah, off. yeah. Mm. I was going to say, did someone yell, drop the magazine? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so that's, uh, that's the other thing is that, so, I, and, to my embarrassment, because it was the same thing. So we were, we had been out on emergency cruising patrol, went to a hot call, deployed our rifles, racked around in the chamber. Okay, one. I was still on the scene. I'm like, ah, I don't want to mess my rifle with all these people here. So I put it back in the trunk, hot, in the lockbox, and we're back driving around. Another call comes out that we had to go to. So I go out, and we're running cameras, and I go to, okay, hey, I'm cruiser ready, right? So I need to put around in the chamber. And I go, and I see around flat. I'm like, oh, God. Like, I hope I don't end up in a, in a uh -huh. deadly force situation. Someone's going to look at that footage and think I'm an idiot. Yeah. So after that, I, we went back as a team, and we, because we're not always held, we can set our own SOPs. We said, hey, when they're in the box, leave them hot. Like, don't. I, I think that makes total sense. Yeah. And in the same thing in, in our world, when we're leaving that base, when we're going to, to do the You're job, going we're, yeah. we're going yeah. hot. Yeah. 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 And I think that's different to me now yeah. as a civilian when I'm not doing yes. that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm probably not going to get in a fight. I have that there just in case, so, and that's why I always know it's yeah. it's stored in that condition. Yeah. So the reason why I wanted everyone else to talk was my perspective, what I want to talk about is about the training aspect of it. Yeah. I don't care how you're going to run your system. Yes. But what I do care is that you train like you fight. Too often we will have a, a scenario, you know, like, all right, you're in the car, you know, you, you're going to go to your long gun. Um, all right. Threat. And they have their long guns strapped to them. And I'm like, yeah. do you drive around your city yeah. like this? Okay, so, hey, I'm Johnny Civilian right now, and I feel pretty comfortable about where I live. So my AR pistol is in a configuration in either the back seat or in the trunk or right next to me. Those things. Train like you fight and practice that. If you're running a backpack gun, like Chris is saying, he's designed this Dream 300 uh, blackout gun uh, that's going to be the most amazing thing from sliced bread. Um, yeah, lots of hate. I, I, I see the hate. Yeah, I, I can, it's just I sense it. emanating. Um, you have to practice getting that gun out of that backpack. Just because you have this backpack you're carrying everywhere yep. with you, it's not a magic wand. It's not going to appear in your hand when you need it. And you have to get the repetitions in of clearing all the, you know, things that are going to be in the way of it. Uh, practice the draw just like you would with your, your everyday carry. And then whatever condition you carry it in, if it's cruiser ready or if it's hot, train like it is. Yep. Just like that. Yeah. You have to get the reps in. And that's one of the reasons why you have, I carry this rifle for this. You're not, well, today, it's mm -hmm. Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and carry. Wheel, wheel gun Wednesday. Wheel gun Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to carry this particular rifle today because, well, it's a a tiger stripe camel pattern and you know we wear the tiger stripes on thursday because it's thursday and on friday we're going to wear the french foreign legion you know desert such and, a hater i know um so we're, we're going to wear you, you can't do that pick it pick a tool and train with that tool everything else is a toy and treat yeah. it accordingly yeah i think it's a good way to put it um are we still on transport storage all that if you want to keep yeah, going, if just not, just one of the things, and this is for all of you guys who are watching on video. Um, 
There are so many people like, how do we get the video? <laughs> you have to pay for that. No, I'm going yeah. to say, if oh, you are not getting the video, you don't know yet. Those of you who are watching the video are like, well, I know how to get it. Yeah, yeah. But is um, uh, dealing with slang. One of the things I've seen in a lot of, of uh, police body camera footage is guys getting tangled <laughs> up in their slings. Yeah, good point. Caught, and uh, just something as simple as just rubber banding your sling with your butt stuck. So you got your rubber band? Yeah, I got my rubber band, yeah. And I've got my, you know, not a rubber yeah. band, but it's, you know, right. one of those, those little live strong wrist. bracelets. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, yeah. There, the Velcro uh, computer uh, yeah, cords. The one wrap. Yeah, yeah, those are great. There's uh, a company that makes a neodymium magnet yeah. system. Have some sort of sling control. Uh, it's just gonna. What, you're getting it out of bag. You're getting it out of the trunk. You're getting it out of anything. It's going to be something that you're limiting. What's going to get grabbed and caught on other things? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Murphy, he is out there, and when the stress is up, let's make things fun. Th- yeah. This is going to be cool. Trust me. Trust yeah. me. This is this is going to be good. You'll you'll laugh later. Yeah, you'll laugh later. It'll be a funny story about how you know you went to grab your gun and you it got caught on the door and got pulled back into the car. Yep. In the process, the car door slammed, and now your gun is locked into the car. Yeah. And you have to shoot your own window out to get to your gun. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the podcast started. Yeah. So uh, one nice thing about the T-Rex arms or sling, uh, it comes with those retaining bands Mm -hmm. already. So you have that option of using them. And again, we're not sponsored by T-Rex arms, but Lucas Bowden, if you're listening, (laughs) love your stuff. Some of us have lived in Tennessee. We're fans of Tennessee. Yep. So, but yeah, that's a great point. Since we're we're talking storage, it's not just in your vehicle. It's not just in your backpack. uh, In the home. Yeah. Um, most every one of us, the AR platform is our home defense. Um, you know, Jared, you've said it many times. It's what's by your bed. Mm-hmm. It's what's by my bed. Um, part of that comes from, I have children, I have four kids and I've had a gun next to the bed their entire lives. We've had the conversations. We've had the talks, um, when their friends come over and I feel like, Hey, you know what? They know not to come into dad's room, but I'm not sure. It gets put into the safe place. You know, we were recently requested to uh, do a podcast about working with children now mm-hmm. and getting yeah. children into training and all that. So uh, that's that's definitely something we're going to touch yeah. on. But that's just something to think about is be responsible about. I'm not saying that you have to lock it up. I don't lock mine up, but I am responsible about it. And I'm aware that it's there. And part of that consistency with our family, I keep the the AR pistol the same way in, in that mm-hmm. cruiser ready. So all the children that I have who are capable of, of actually arming it, charging it and putting that round in, you know, in the chamber, um, we trust them and they're responsible enough that they're not going to do that. Then that the children who are so young that, uh, just because of their immaturity, we can't trust them. They're not physically strong enough to actually pull it all the way back and, and, and to put it in the battery. Yeah. I've told the story about when my second daughter, uh, you know, there were, there was an incident where we had someone come in the backyard and they were a little afraid we were going out. Um, she went through her plan of what would happen if mom and dad aren't here and someone comes in the house and she's like, yeah, I'm sitting in, you know, leaning out the hallway with the AR nine because that was their go-to, uh, shooter ready. And part of that was, she knew where it was. She knew where the ammunition was. She knew how to run it. She knew where the spare magazine was. And, uh, she had trained with it. And then it gave her the confidence that if something happened, she could utilize it. Turn the light on, identify the target, put the red dot on the target. Yep. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. 
And real quick, just go back to the lights. Lights are important because you need the ID or target. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't believe we didn't touch on that, but it just seems so – in 2021, it seems so apparent you need a light to ID your target. So I think we skipped over that, but just – Yeah, we talked lights, but didn't – Yeah, why? Yeah. yeah. Well, so future podcast, let's shotgun – flashlights <laughs> i mean for all my hate on shotguns that is my home defense gun it's a 14 inch 870 oh, so really? I, I yeah yeah there's reasons for that though because yeah. you just make that sound and they immediately run away that's yeah yeah exactly. you just i don't yeah. even put i don't even put shells in anymore <laughs> yeah. i just get there I just ah. did, to, to emphasize my point yeah um so so ammunition yes ammo ammunition what about it and what ammo are you loading? Does it really, does it really matter? 69-grain uh, Sierra King match. Uh, match King? No, you're match running 69-grain uh, Sierra tip match. Games. Okay, yeah. yeah. For your, I for have, your 1 in 10. I have my list. my ammo dealer here. So what, what am I running? What What is my preferred? So your 1 in 10 gun is going to shoot those 69-grain Sierra tip match kings. Um, I'm not a, a smart person. I have smart people. Chris is one of them. It's a, it's a very good bullet. Uh, Sierra makes some... some some good match grade bullets um so i loaded up some tip match kings uh, polymer tip bullet um, really good rounds uh, i like the 77 grains um but again you need to have at least a one in seven twist on those to stabilize um i like the liberty defense their civil defense ammo uh for the 556 it's a 55 grain bullet going about 3,000 feet per second <laughs> and it's expending all that energy pretty much on on target so I like it because I've always been the guy that's worried about the the pass through you know what happens after it goes through you know I have kids so worrying about that but uh, that ammo Expending all that energy at the target is going to reduce pass-throughs. If you do hit a wall, it's it's not going to do as much damage to what it hits after it goes through that wall. So I like their stuff. Uh, there, there's plenty of different other like ammo of that that sort out there. Um, that was just one one manufacturer that I know of that I, I did a lot of research into, and I like their stuff. We live in a, a great day and age where we can do a lot of research. And as as much as ammo is difficult to come by right now, we are still the diversity of ammo that's out there. We've never had this before. You know, the selection is out there. Well, shoot, ammo yeah. prices are getting so high now that you're almost paying the same for some super-duper, you know, defensive round as you are yeah. ball. Yeah. So might as well go with the... <laughs> Yeah. The high end stuff. Uh, critical duty or critical defense. Their five five six stuff is is really good. Their shotgun stuff is yeah. phenomenal as well. Um, that's that's Hornady makes that. So another very reputable ammo manufacturer been around for a long time. Uh, their their stuff's really good. Yeah, as far as ammo, I mean there there is a great series of articles written about ammunition selection. Oh, is on, it on on the website? Oh, so they can find that on the website. They can find that on the website. Okay, in the briefing room, but. I feel like with handgun ammo, the ammunition you're picking really, really matters because I think there's such a wide gulf of performance between, like, ball ammo and, like, a good defensive hollow point. With yeah. rifle ammo, I've seen a lot of people killed with, like, Winchester White Box 5.56, five, or not even 5.56, five, five, like, two, two, three Wolf. It There's better stuff, but yes. I feel like the gulf in performance between, like, 
generic M193 and like a 77 grain tip match king is is not as wide as it is between like ball ammo and, and, and a hollow point. I mean, for, obviously, for a I was, pistol round. For, yeah. for a pistol round. Yeah, yeah I, I right. think if you're talking like a high velocity rifle round, I would much rather have like we looked at, we couldn't, uh, everything always comes down to money, but we looked at actually issuing our, uh, as a GP round, the 77 grain tip match kings yeah. from uh, Black Hills. It was nice. Yeah. They're, yeah. Yeah. Great but, rounds. But money's an issue. So we ended up with the, uh, Oh, the Winchester 64 grain jacketed soft point bonded 556, which is still another good round. Another good round. So, yeah, I think look for a defensive round, but like I might get a little stressed if all I had was ball ammo and a pistol with a rifle. Yeah. You know, you're still yeah. sending that projectile yeah. at yeah. Mach 2 yeah. into an individual. What yeah. I'm going to say about the ammo is if I'm training with 62 grain. Yep. Yes. I'm using 62 grain. Yes. If that it, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna have like, oh, this magazine has yeah. three rounds of 62 grain. Oh, I found some wolf over here that I don't know what you well, are. Let's well, take that well, Chris, in there. don't don't hit no. on the party pack. I do have a few party pack <laughs> magazines. <laughs> okay. Now that, that's my fallback. That, that's, yeah. that's a that's like a specialty that. thing. Yeah. Like you know, I mean, I remember stacking uh, you know a one in four uh, yeah. tracer mix because you know. Yeah. Or the, reasons the, the rat last three rounds in my magazine were tracer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I used to alternate. Uh, I had a green tip, seventy-seven grain, green tip, seventy-seven. Really? Oh yeah, because so that seventy-seven grain that is not punching through a car door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But that green tip will go end to end on a car almost, right? So well, you say that, and I know I, I'm pretty sure I've shared it here before, but that gun that's next to my bed. So the one that's in, and I it's one of the only times I actually have. Uh, two mags coupled together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got 60 rounds right there to, before I can get to anything else if I need to in the house. And that first mag, it is a very good defensive round. I wouldn't say it's a hollow point, but, you know, a match tip that it's, yeah. it's going to do some, some damage, that soft tissue. Yep. And the other one is a little bit hotter and a different designed round that's going to punch through just Absolutely. about anything. So in case that home invasion is somebody wearing armor. Yep. And, and in this day and age, I, like we share classes, it was in York County, probably going on like seven years now where there's a string of invasion home invasions three guys with body armor with helmets that were were doing these home robberies Mm -hmm. it's not a stretch in today's world that someone wearing armor might be breaking into your house so i have that immediate you know absolutely choice yeah and that the reason i ran those is iraq you know if i needed to stop a vehicle i just kept shooting until it stopped Mm -hmm. and i knew that at least every other one of those rounds was was having some effect on engine block tire whatever or able to punch through that car door or something of that similar material. Yeah, exactly. Well, we do in training um, the failure to stop drill yeah. for a reason. Uh, whether the individual is hopped up on what other substance, yeah. you know, I have to be able to put that guy down. So, yeah, my rounds are impacting and they're successfully, you know, tearing up tissue. But his body's still coming at me. I'm going to go for the brain box or the hips. Or he's wearing body armor. So... I'm running, you know, 62 grain. That's what I choose for my my general purpose utility uh, round. I know that, hey, he's not going down. Uh, I've trained myself to go ahead and, well, body's not working. Let's work the head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's work the hips. The hips don't lie. Yeah. That's like Shakira said. Yeah. So, Are we going to quote a lot of pop stars? Cause our, I mean, because I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I start oh, dropping are, a few. Oh, dude. Are you, oh, yes. We, we, have, oh, yeah. we have some serious hate oh, yeah. for Taylor Whoa. Whoa. Oh, God. Yeah, really? Like, 
Look, that's you might not have a job here, much God, longer. I'm sorry, I, I look past her politics. Just the music is just so good. <laughs> just it just speaks to me. I forget how much of a baby he is. He's so right? young. But uh, but it's funny you mentioned the '77 Green. Listen to her high school. No, no, I don't think so. No, I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off topic here. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the '77 Green because that was one of the the again like we started chasing speed at any at any at performance of the real world thing. We started chasing accuracy. And so as great as that 77 grain stuff was, it wasn't giving great performance through barriers. So we're nope. in, in testing. So that's why we ended up with a bonded, you know, yep. five, five, six, because accuracy is great, but how much accuracy do you really need? Oh yeah. I mean, and, more and accuracy is better, but not at the performance. Well, that's your, and that's your compromise yeah. is what am I using this round for? Am yeah. I on a, the, the flat range shooting 800 bullseyes? Yeah. Or do I need real-world application yeah, where inside of 100 meters, I'm going yeah. through glass? You know, um, those bonded rounds, it's one of the reasons they were made, is yep. to maintain shape and performance through glass. Because typically glass strips have jackets, yeah. so they're having issues. But yeah, yeah, it, it's a good compromise. Anything more on ammunition? Tracers for home defense? No, no, probably not. I, I, I'm going to just throw that in. If we're going to talk about tracers. People smell when they get hit with tracers. It's still cooking. It's still cooking. <sighs> yes, that is true. So here's what I'll say. I'll just throw this in here. The only thing I look for, really, in rifle ammo is first thing is brass cased. I just, I've seen functional issues with steel cased stuff for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, brass cased, and uh, I prefer... Five five six pressure ammo. Yeah, so especially over two, two, with, over two two three, because there is a difference, and especially the short, the more barrel length you take away, the more that makes a it difference. Important. Yes. Yeah, and beyond that, just you know, do your research. Yeah, and remember, do not fire five five six in a two two three Remington yes. chamber. Yep, you can put two two three Remington in a five five six, but not the other way. Uh, two two three Wilds, a, a good uh, chamber. Compromise. Yep. Uh, that that'll accept two two three Remington or five five six NATO. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest takeaway from all of this, whether we're talking ammunition, parts of the gun itself, uh, the optics, everything that we've talked about, is one began with the end in mind. What am I using this weapon for? Build it around that, and then two, you have to take it out in the range. You have to put it through its paces. Um, you have to do that so you know the, how your weapon functions. How, if it is going to function, make sure those mags work. Make sure the ammunition uh, works. Don't believe anyone's propaganda. Go out, find out for yourself. Yep. Then you'll have confidence. Absolutely. And spend less time reading on the internet about minutia and just go train. Absolutely. Yes. Or dry fire. Or dry fire. Dry fire is training. Dry firing is training. Is training. Don't all go on the internet with strangers. Just go in your garage and dry fire. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, yeah. thank you for uh, spending time with us. Uh, this has been an awesome uh, edition of the Lodestone Training Consulting Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. This is the AK-47 assault rifle, the preferred weapon of your enemy. And it makes a distinctive sound when fired at you. So remember it. <laughs>